0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Lumen Industries Radio. This is a Magum Talks podcast covering the Apple Plus TV series, Severance. I am Lee. I'm your co-host. I'm here, joined by my co-host, Spencer Spencer. How are you?
1: Thoroughly caught up in the growing mystery of this show.
0: Yeah, this is where we really start to get in the weeds a little bit. It starts to get dicey. I think people start to develop rooting interest, maybe, in this episode. Like, I feel like the... What I saw was like episode three was like the peak of people maybe wanting to jump ship. Episode four was everybody jumping back on the ship, excited, and
1: mm-hmm. then episode
0: five was a lot of like territorial, like I right. am Team Dylan, I am Team Helly. Like we started to get into that stuff.
1: Yeah, now that we're now that we're all determined, we're going to stay on the cruise. Now we're picking cabins. Now we're picking decks. We are setting our territory going forward.
0: Yeah, it's a lot of fun. So you like the episode?
1: I liked it quite a bit. It, it it added to the mystery. It hit some nice character beats. It confirmed again that Rickon is just the weirdest man that has ever existed in the sake of U.S. television. Uh, and what's interesting, too, is that I'm not used to shows that are actually getting shorter and tighter as they go on. I've gotten so used to shows like, say, Ted Lasso, where the episodes kept on getting longer, as they had more and, more and more things to say. This show is getting shorter after each episode, but it doesn't feel that way, just because it has such a nice, well-prepared, well-structured clip attached to it.
0: So here's a question for you. You've seen five episodes of the show now. I have. Let's say we could go back in time. Before the show, the show was still being conceived, right? And you, Spencer, now are Bigwig Hollywood. We have brought you in. You are the head of Roy Studios, Waystar Studios. (laughs) Oh, okay. Sure. Yeah. And they're going to ask you, hey, you know, we got this show. We're thinking about bringing Christopher Walken into it. Would you, having seen how it all plays out, would you still have Walken in the show? For this
1: role, 100%. Okay. He's he's killing it. He's doing it perfectly. Walken is very much one of those actors of where if you ask, hey, you think we should have Christopher Walken in the show? My immediate question is, for what role? He has a range and he does it very well, particularly now that he's older, Walken. But there's some practical limitations I would place on who we're casting him as.
0: I absolutely love it. I love that he's in the show, but there, it is a little controversial with the fandom, where some people maybe would have preferred somebody maybe um, a little less profile that's not... I think some people find him distracting, maybe. I don't. I love it.
1: He doesn't take me out of it. No, I, th- I think he's fitting into the role. It's still obviously always walking. I'm, I still have, half the time refer to him as walking rather than Bert. But I think he's fitting into the role well, and particularly he's working very well off the other characters. Him and him and, Ir- and the actor who plays Irving have a lot of chemistry together, which is, you know, fits their characters well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right. So here on Lumen Industries radios, we will badge into Lumen. We will get in the elevator, drop down, switch over to our innies and review the episode. We re- we typically start with a recap, which I will lead. We are re- Capping episode five the grim barbarity of optics and design i'm kind of stuttering a little bit because that is a hell of a title the grim barbarity of optics and design
1: it is perfect for what it actually is that being that kind of religious imagery kind of painting that you know that that, that's perfect They, they, they could not have designed a better title to fit that particular kind of image
0: yeah it's i agree with that it's fantastic um and so then we we will jump into best line of the episode I and I alone have got Emperor Best Line of the Episode Spencer. However, every week will gamely supply me with nominees, and I will select one. Got to tell you, there's a leader in the clubhouse right now. There's a leader in the clubhouse. I've got a line that I'm excited about that I really want to pick unless you convince me of something different. Then we have Employee of the Week. Employee of the Week is going to be interesting this week uh, because you had a lot of people doing a lot of different stuff. Uh, I think we both agreed. Who did we pick last week? We picked Kobol last week maybe?
1: We, we, we picked two. We picked Coble, and then who else did we pick? I think, was it, Dylan? I think, yeah, I think Dilla, it was Dylan. Yeah, you Coble. picked
0: Dylan. I picked Coble, I think, is yeah. how it went. Yeah, so we picked we picked some different people. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll agree this week. Maybe not. Who knows? And then America's Favorite Segment. We will all sit back, kick back, and Spencer will ask questions, and I will do one of three things. I will either answer said question completely. I will either partially answer said question, or I will acknowledge it's a question and answer none of it. That is typically how that segment goes. Spencer, you got questions for us this
1: week? <laughs> yes, quite a few. Certain element begrudgingly. You just look so damn smug when you can just nod at me and acknowledge that I've asked a question.
0: Yeah, and that's probably what we'll get to because I'm sure I'm sure there's still a lot of questions after this episode. I mean, uh-huh. we're, we're uh-huh. answering stuff, but it is they'd have, the show has a pace, right? And it is not a quick pace. Like it, it it's not like oh, episode six is going to come along and you're going to get every answer to every question. They're not really but, setting that tone.
1: I mean, they the show is literal is set in what is almost a literal labyrinth. Every corner is gonna reveal a new mystery. It's just a question of how far the characters go off the reservation in terms of their exploration. And this episode, they roam a bit and we see some things.
0: Yeah. All right. So as mentioned, this is a Mangum Talks podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, you'd like listening to Spencer and I Gab. Oh, boy, do I have some good news for you. We've got a lot of other podcasts. We've covered a lot of other television shows and movies. You can check all that stuff out by going to MangumTalks.com or going to your favorite podcast platform, heck, the one you're listening to us in right now, and type in Mangum Talks. That's the keyword. That's the metadata. I've tagged it. It's really fancy. It's really official. All of our stuff will pop up, and you can follow all of the different television shows that Spencer and I review. I can tell you on our schedule, we will be reviewing in some capacity, Spencer, I'm going to say, I'm going to speak for you here. Can I speak for you for a second?
1: No, I always love for you to speak for me. Go on.
0: Yeah, yeah. You, you you typically love that. Spencer maybe doesn't love that Disney took over the Star Wars canon. Maybe, not, like, love oh. is probably not
1: the word. Uh, 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 look um, at the limb you are climbing out on right now. You are dangling like one of those hanging, hanging their kitty kind of <laughs> moments right there. I don't even know how you are willing to just go so far out there and take a risk with that kind of opinion on that particular subject involving your very much abbreviated and limited knowledge of my particular media preferences. But, you know, there you did. You said it. You said it out loud.
0: All of our social media followers know that I'm a hot take artist. I'm dropping hot takes here. Spencer doesn't love that Disney took over the Star Wars canon. We try to keep this fun for Spencer, so we're not going to subject him. To every single episode of the Ahsoka series, if he doesn't want to, but in some capacity, Mangum I talks will be them. some capacity. Mangum talks will be covering the Ahsoka series starting in August over on the podcast feed, Mangum Talks Star Wars. And then we know for certain, despite the writer strike, despite the actor strike, that House of the Dragon season two will come out next spring. So Spencer and I will be reviewing that over on the Pod of the Dragon podcast feed. Other than that. It's kind of the Wild West for Spencer and I as to what we'll be reviewing and when, because most of our shows are either Dead and Gone, R.I.P. Succession, R.I.P. Ted Lasso, or we have no idea when it'll come back because the writers strike things like um, Enjoy Your Stay and The Last of Us, both of which are kind of halted in production. And heck, even season two of this show is halted in production. So when we will back on this podcast feed reviewing season two, we do not know. So make sure to follow us at MangumTalks.com or Facebook.com slash MangumTalks or Twitter at MangumTalks to figure out and stay up to date on when Spencer and I, what Spencer and I will be reviewing and when. Well, Spencer, we got some decisions ahead of us on what we're going to cover next. But right now, we're not done done covering this show. It is time to review episode five, The Grim Barbarity of Optics and Design. Spencer, are you ready?
1: I think I am, but man, we have a hell of a way to start the episode.
0: So I can do it. Well, first of all, we start the episode with a advertisement for a wonderful television show. I don't know if I've mentioned it. Foundation. Have I mentioned it? Have I told you that that show's pretty good?
1: It's come up recently. It's come up a few okay. times recently. All
0: right. Yeah. Maybe people should watch that show. That's a really fucking good show. It's in the middle of season two right now. I'm excited about it. Great Foundation advertisement for me before I clicked into episode five. And then we get a warning about this. There is a depiction of suicide on the show. That not a joke. It's not a joke It's real I think when this show Gives you a warning Like we mentioned Last episode Like just heed the warning If you have a problem With whatever the thing is If it's like Oh we're gonna show you Flashing lights If you have a a problem With flashing lights You might not want to Watch the episode Because this show Doesn't fuck around It tells you the truth
1: Yeah there's certain shows Of what you know You can't always be certain To what degree You can expect A particular warning They can get like You know suggestive themes Or something Or you know sexual content And it ends up being You know nothing at all This show, if that ever comes up, it's going to be a full-on orgy. Because they don't mess around with their warnings.
0: Hell no. Then we get the previously on. The you, you are. Your job needs you, not the other way around. Mark and his sister and the fact she's pregnant. Moron, Rickon. Rickon. Rickon, Rickon. Mark meeting the doula. Um, So we see the doula thinking she might make an appearance this episode. Severance is subjugation asshole. Fucking really that back and forth on the street that he had. With the member of the Hive Mind Collective, Kobal getting whole pe- mine, Hive Mind. works. Yeah, I think Mark would call it the Hive Mind Collective. Kobal <laughs> getting Pete's insert. Your best friend left left this for you, and you don't give a shit. That's a line from Helly. Uh, Helly's many attempts to leave. Am I trapped here? If I want to quit, can I? That was her question. Pretty much from Jump. Uh, I am a person. You are not. Your resignation request is denied. Probably the most gut wrenching. Goddamn fucking line of the show so far from Helly's Audi and then Helly kicking the trash can over and whoop, falling down, potentially hanging. Spencer wasn't buying it, though. He went on record. He put his name, he put his name to it last episode. My
1: honor was hanging in the void waiting for resolution and it has been reaffirmed.
0: Your honor was hanging? You really want to go with that one?
1: (laughs) Yes, I do. It feels appropriate.
0: Unbelievable. (laughs) Yeah. So, Helly, going up in the elevator, her Audi comes too. What a... You know, you, I, I got to give you credit for the way, way you phrased something about this show. You talked about this show doing horror, not jump at you, scare horror, not monster horror, but horrific scenes. And I think this mm-hmm. like probably takes the cake, right? The well, Audi wakes up mid-hang. It, it,
1: that, that, is an, that is, I've had nightmares that that, that approach that kind of thing, what she's experiencing at the moment. Just utterly confused arriving in the moment of her imminent death. So suffocating strangling having no idea what brought her to this particular moment arriving there and then leaving again just a brief taste of what of of death rapidly coming around a corner and being powerless to stop it i'm presuming heli did this intentionally any heli in which case evil genius territory because given how much she expresses later she wants to punish her Audi for what she's done
0: yeah i I don't know like so i can't figure out if Heli hung herself in the elevator because that's the only place that she could get the rope up and over. Or if she did it, because as she says at the end of this episode, she wants the Audi to come to dying. If that mm-hmm. was something she was trying to do. I will say, though, if I'm just you know advising Heli, and I'm not saying I would advise Heli on suicide, but let's say I was involving your Audi in this scheme in any way is probably not a great idea because then then you lose some control over things right like and that's kind of what happened because her Audi starts kicking and making noise and that draws people over
1: again her objective here is not just oblivion she wants a certain element of suffering to be attached to the person who placed her here man it's
0: like a it's interesting like the phrase it's like self-hating i hate myself like Heli is at war with herself. Her Audi and her innie fucking loathe each other
1: T- to a degree that is just not healthy. What is no. this expressing about yourself? I would
0: say no. I'm going to give it. I'm going to give that a plus one.
1: <laughs> yeah, att- attempted suicide, <laughs> attempted murder in the same act. strongly suggests these two need to sit down and have a discussion. That don't. It, but it's what does this say about the internal you before it was split? If you've gone this much at war with yourself now.
0: That's a great question.
1: That That's a fine... You
0: know what? We're not even at Spencer's questions, but that's a fantastic fucking question. What does that say about Helly the person? Forget the severance in it, the e. any-outy thing. Helly the person. What does it say about her that as soon as it splits, her any e. and Audi fucking start going to war, like immediately?
1: In a way that apparently they've never seen before. This is foreign territory for everyone who's watching this happen right now. And yet for Helly... There was no transition. This was inevitable from everything that we can see, and it happened quick.
0: So she's there hanging. She She's kicking because the Audi came to. She kicked her shoe off. Uh, cut to Mark walking into the cubicle area. Um, Helly, leave? Yeah. Maybe you should get out of here, too. Dylan? He's talking to Dylan. Dylan tells mm-hmm. him, I know, just wrapping up. I'm sorry. I love the work. I got to tell you. Strong Dylan episode. This is a very, very strong Dylan episode. He like I've seen this show. I got three, four times now, and I was doing my notes today, podcast professional, and I get, I got to probably two or three different Dylan lines and laughed out loud. And if it can make you do that on like the third or fourth watch, like that actor is fucking crushing it.
1: Yeah, quality material and quality presentation, and he's it's also the he does actually you know enjoy the the perks and incentives that come from the work, but what he's really doing is staying late so he can read the book yeah re- read read their re- read the little red book read their new bible that stu- has stumbled into their midst written by the illustrious philosopher rickham
0: what is the name of the book Spencer?
1: i don't remember what is the name of the book
0: well it's the uur but i was setting you up for calling it the communist manifesto because you've oh. been calling it the communist manifesto for it like is an
1: it's yeah. a shitty version Karl marx is rolling over in his grave that this is what's going to inspire the proletariat but it's a little red cover book that's encouraging workers to, you know, support their own self-interest and not just be slaves to the, slaves to capitalist stooges. I
0: mean, it seems dick. apropos like history is repeating itself, but like in a cheaper, less like authentic, uh, uh, less it, articulate way, like just a sort of dumbed down, stupid version of history repeating itself. That's kind of like apropos of the times, Don't you think
1: this, this is history by means of Xerox? We're now just all reading copies after copies after copies.
0: Goodness, Mark goes to the elevator. We see Mr. Grainer running down the hallway and it's sort of a slow motion, like I'm coming. Um, Mark opens the door and Heli is hanging there. He jumps and picks her up. I gotta say, obviously, Heli's innie to get to this point, this is a f- royally fucked up situation. And I feel terrible, I feel absolutely awful for all the innies, but m- maybe the most for Heli's innie. And I need some answers from Helly's Audi because this is fucking absurd what's going on.
1: Even more in here in a minute, too.
0: (laughs) But I do feel really bad for Mark in all of this because I think Mark was really shaken by this situation. Uh,
1: more more than we have ever seen his N.E.B. And credit to him, man responds immediately to something that, I, I don't know how I would react to the situation, but I would assume there'd be a certain degree of my gears just stop and have to restart kind of thing. Like, I know, could
0: see uh, you sort of break in the moment, just sort of stop and freeze up. And and, what? Uh, uh,
1: Mark, no hesitation. He is there trying to provide her that support because again, short drop, she's actively strangling herself right now.
0: So- I'm going to do a new segment. It's called Questions with Lee. Even, You're though already, even though I've already seen the show, I still have questions. We established last episode with the tree that Mark that what PD said an episode before that Mark takes the pain with him and down we've there. Seen
1: it now. Yes. My
0: question is: He's experiencing pain, as an in any? Does he take that with him? To does he does he did, he did he did he get off work that day and be royally depressed and not know why?
1: I, I have to imagine. Potentially. We didn't he didn't get the opportunity to do it because he was immediately wrapped up in the whole in his sister's pregnancy and you know, labor and everything else with respect to it but know,
0: she's it, so it, selfish.
1: yeah the timing of it how how dare she have her baby right now and interfere with our ability to understand what whether this is a two-way street with potential trauma the character couldn't
0: she have held off a day so that i could have figured out if mark would have drank more than normal that night because i need to run these tests i'm like miss gobel i need to run these tests
1: so i think we're coming to a conclusion here her selfishness interfered not only with mark's processing emotion but our ability to understand the greater plot look at Uh this
0: unbelievable uh mr grainer yells god damn it mark is holding her saying oh my god oh my god and and literally shaking um heli is taken down we see her moving a little bit so i think right away we, we were pretty clued in that she didn't die right she's, she's moving she's breathing right away grainer tells mark to get in the elevator in no uncertain terms i don't think there's a lot of room for conversation we see heli starting to come to grainer puts her in the elevator mark says is she okay then whoop he flicks flips back over to his audi and he leaves for the day
1: We've 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 only ever seen this go in one direction, depressed to you know a more, I'll say normal state, a le- less depressed state. This is the only time we've not seen it go in reverse, where we see him in a very agitated, confused, concerned, out of the control kind of state, and then go up back to bland.
0: Yeah, so I kind of wonder how that would affect. Him. Uh, Christopher Walken is on the main credits, so that's something.
1: <laughs> He's gonna be big like going to see forward. I him on the
0: main credits now. Uh, so the credits roll, and then we. Uh... Uh, the opening sequence. And then we cut back. We start with Lumen. It looks like morning. Still snow on the ground. Uh, Mark comes to badge in and he flips back. And uh, when he flips back, he is upset and shaken. Um, as he walks in, Miss Koble and Mr. Milchick are there. Um, and says he says, is she alive? And they say, have a seat, Mark. She's in the hospital. She has severe bruising, but thankfully no permanent damage.
1: I think that's still the thing I'm just emotionally struggling with the most is that there's no, like, default state. There's no waiting room that you return to of, like, you know, a, a, a normal baseline. You return to the exact moment <laughs> you left at. And so he returns. No time passing is hell he dead. Because that's the only thought he has in his head at the moment that he, you know, exited to Audi mode.
0: More than that, I think it's, I think that the sequencing is down to the breath because like when Heli comes back to, she's going, even though, even though her body didn't need oxygen, right? Because she's breathing, her Audi has gotten dressed and gotten down there, but when she flips, she she starts sucking in breath and she falls down because she thinks she doesn't have control of her legs. It's insane. Kind of like the, the immediate flip and how it goes right back to a specific point in time, like to the second.
1: The show's shown us this four times, and yet I still am shocked every time I see it, just because it's so well executed.
0: So Mark, speaking for all reasonable people everywhere, says, so you're letting her go. And they say this fucking <laughs> line, Spencer. <laughs> Helly's Audi has no intention of resigning.
1: We've hit a what? whole new level. I, I didn't think we could go farther after the videotape, but we have somehow found a way to even go beyond.
0: And this is why I use the phrase, like, Helly's innie and Audi are at war. Because, like, I don't know what's going on with Helly's Audi. We don't know. But she's got to fucking feel – she's got to be either so angry at the innie, which is on the table, because she seemed almost angry that the innie even was asking to quit. Or two, she must feel so strongly about severance that she's – because, like, what would motivate somebody if you wake up mid-hanging – how could you, my question to Helly, Helly's Audi is how can you get in that elevator and go down again? How can you trust that you'll come back to, that you won't come back to in pain or missing a limb or hanging or what the fuck ever? How do you have any reassurance of that anymore?
1: I, I don't hate another person enough to basically place my life and limb in their control to spite them. I don't have that emotion in me. I'm with you. There's only The only ways I can interpret this is either A, she is such a level of zealot that the fact that she can't do this is something that she just can't tolerate because this is some way, in her mind, a necessary process of being loyal to Kier Lumen, whatever else. Or it's a certain element of like that Michael Jordan meme and then I took that personally. She's just that pissed in the helly that she's going to make this work because that bitch tried to kill me.
0: It's one of the two, but it's I just cannot envision a situation where Neither of those. I, I, I It would seem to me that probably 99.8 or 9% of all people, whoever would be willing to undergo the severance procedure to work, if they had this happen to them, would quit. Like, I, I'm almost 1,000% sure that Mark would quit if this happened to him. I'm fairly certain. I mean, anybody else, PD would have, any of these people. And it seems like something's going on with her that's so particular and peculiar that, like, she's in that little sliver of people that even though she literally woke up dying is like, yeah, let's, let's run it back. Let's you, try that again.
1: You, forget even just basic human level empathy about caring for the person that you've basically kept a slave and is clearly unhappy with it. Where's the self-preservation at this point anymore? You nearly died. You don't have control over her ability to replicate this again. Nope. Do you really believe they removed all dangerous objects from the Severn's floor? I doubt that. What are you doing?
0: I think at this point that Helly's Audi should... It should be like real... Games should start to recognize game. You know, you... you, you you mentioned yes. the, the Jordan meme. I'll, t- I'll talk about the Shaq meme where Shaq uh, is, sta- is sitting there and he looks clueless at the desk. And the and the phrase is, I'm sorry, I have to apologize to you. I was not familiar with your game. Like, that is what Helly's Audi should be doing to Helly's Innie right now. Because, like, I, I, I don't – I am I am not sure what Helly's Innie's imagination can Wait. produce. Like – she took an office place that looked completely scrubbed and clean and sanitized. And she has figured out two different, one one way I want to kill herself, another way to almost cut her hand off. Like, she can find danger somewhere. Like, I think it's about time to start recognizing that Innie has got some, she's got some skills.
1: I mean, the, 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 she needs to have a certain degree of perspective on herself now. It's just like, Helly, do you know what you're capable of? Well, your Innie's capable of that and is capable of directing it yeah. at you consider that a moment
0: yeah mark says she almost died she Sorry. doesn't want to Ouch. be here
1: yeah
0: and hell and Kobol says and she will be back at her desk in a couple days mark is that enough time
1: no it and isn't then
0: Kobol does not want to because dr- i from what we're starting to learn about Kobold, Kobol, i don't think she's she's a type of crazy but i don't think she's the like here indoctrinated like that type of crazy she might be her own type of crazy but like the type of crazy that she is 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 maybe a little bit different than like the zealot. So what I'm saying is I start I'm starting to have some faith that Copel might like be thinking somewhat rationally about some of the stuff. And the fact that she doesn't respond to the question is that enough time? I'm, I think. I'm going to go with the idea that Kobel knows. No, it's not enough time. And yes, it is completely ridiculous that Helly is coming back to work. So she switches the topic, pushes the conversation back at Mark and says, this happened on your watch, Marcus. And you can thank Kira himself and went the way it did. Have a productive day. She got to the left.
1: What, what we find out more in this episode, too. I did not fully understand the level of independent control and lack of oversight that Kobel had. I know that, oh, yeah? you know, the people on the severance floor, they're not watched much. We've joked about that to a certain degree. But Mrs. Copel is just doing things of her own accord, of her own recognizance, and controlling the process of them, including here, not telling apparently anyone else, other than I presume, you know, Audi, Heli, that this happened. The board does not know about any of this.
0: She is going to tell them all at one time, Spencer.
1: When, when she can frame it with something more pleasant.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I just think that we've seen, you know, she questions. Yes. The efficacy of the severance procedure. Mm-hmm. She's She seems to have some level of resentment with the board's oversight.
1: She have some level of caring for certain people on the severance floor, maybe one in particular.
0: Yeah, she. you called that the, the wonderful ship on your part, which I hadn't even seen my first couple times through. But Mark and, and Miss Coble, for sure, she seems to like him. And now she's not willing to justify... The fact that Heli's coming back to work, right? She's not willing to say, yeah, that's a good idea. She just doesn't engage. And she just goes, yeah, Mark, it's your fault. And she gets up and leaves. So we see a uh, file drawer open. Mark gets the UUR out. And we see the setup of cubicles from up top. Kind of looks like a Nazi sign, right?
1: Uh, A bit. Yeah, just a bit. (laughs)
0: Yeah. seemed like it seemed like a Nazi sign that they were showing us there with the cubicles. You know, we talked last episode about how the fascism. This is not this is a show that will hit the fucking nail like they don't care. Like it, it's a nail. It's sitting there. I got a hammer. I'm going to whack it. We're trying to show the audience that there is some level of authoritarianism um, and a dictatorship, a cult going on here. OK, boom. We're going to give my swastika. Uh
1: with respect to uh, Rickon's book that we now hear in a variety of delightful voiceovers, how long did you last thinking that the quality of the prose in this would be tolerable? Like, the little snippet we got last week, I had some hope that this would be, you know, halfway decent. No. Uh, I made it about one and a half lines before I went, oh no, this is... It. The writers are having a lot of fun on the sake of other writers right now.
0: I think they like if you pulled my friends, most of my friends would say that one of my strengths is being like one of the first people in the group to call bullshit on something. Like yes. I do that fairly quickly. I would not, I could not after having met Rickon can't give the book a chance. Can't. It's over. <laughs> would, like I, I've would, called bullshit to the point that I, I am out on this book before it starts it, you. I mean, it could be fucking a tale of two cities and I'd be halfway through. Like who gives a fuck about London? Like I, there's no way I'm going to be in to this shit. Like I, I'm not gonna like his book. There's no way.
1: Would you make it into this book farther than you made it into Guards Guards back in our very early recording days?
0: Yeah, so for those who haven't listened to the entire <laughs> Magnum Talks uh, backlog, the we started Terry Reads. Brunches. We started Mangum Reads, and I think the first episode went sideways a little bit with a guest host, and so I joined the second one with hopes of reinvigorating you all had hoped that I would come and bring some energy to the podcast. And I brought with you- You did. I brought with you a guy who um, had had a couple drinks and had not read the book. (laughs) Just had not read it.
1: You'd read like 30 pages (laughs) and the back cover of like a 400 page book. (laughs) I
0: was like, fuck it, let's talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I I would call bullshit on this guy pretty fast. Um, I think it's terrible writing. I got some quotes here from it. So what does it mean to fail? My failure to break into the literary world in my 20s was devastating, yet it taught me a vital lesson. It's not me who was wrong but literature itself.
1: And it was at this moment I realized that things had gone wrong.
0: <laughs> and to truly find my place in the world, I would have to break it entirely. He's going to break literature entirely.
1: Uh, truly? Okay. yeah. The Danny, oh. the
0: Danny Targaryen of literature right here. She's bra- he's breaking the wheel.
1: Uh, only thing you have to fear is your chains.
0: And so I did. A society with festering, festering workers <laughs> cannot flourish. You know, it is hard for a society to flourish when the workers have scabs, when they're like, Viserys Targaryen. You know when they when they have like you know open wounds, things like that. I mean, it is a little tough for people.
1: Yeah, yeah and and what what's the specific example that he offers of what they cannot do when they have festering rotting?
0: rotting a man with rotting toes cannot skip. I mean, I think that, that's pretty obvious.
1: That is my primary concern. Truly, with rotting toes and festering skin, the skipping that I cannot engage in is just ruining my day.
0: And then speaking for all of SAGAFTA says, what separates man from machine is that machines cannot think for themselves. <laughs> Also they are made of metal and man is made of skin. Go on truth bombs everywhere. We see Mark badging in and out of Lumen multiple times. So what we're getting is a run it back, old school, classical, nineteen eighties voiceover montage to speed things up in time, and I fucking love it. I'm all about it.
1: We we are Rickon is narrating the three days that Helly is not in the office, right? It's now, so- I it's fantastic.
0: I wish more TV shows and stuff would do this. they, they don't need to show us those three days. It's The point is, is that it's a relatively standard three days, except that Mark is reading the book. So that's what we're getting. He's badging in and out, and we're getting the book being read over top of that.
1: And we're mocking this to no end, and it deserves it. We're going to mock Rickon when we see him in person later, and he deserves it. But any Mark has no other frame of reference about literature other than the handbook, and we read that thing. To him, this is both novel and high art, because he has nothing else to compare it to.
0: (laughs) Can I point out a line that is the is is both things? It's 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 both of the things, Spencer. First off, it's patently absurd that Rickon ever wrote it. It's unbelievable that he would ever put this to fucking paper, this numskull. Mm-hmm. But take that context completely away and give that into Mark's voice, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden it is. There's gravitas, and it's super emotionally impactful. Here it is. If you are a a soldier, do not fight for me. Fight for the freedom of the soldier fighting next to you. Preposterous that Rickon wrote that. Hmm. But if Mark is going to fight this system, Lumen, the severance, subjugation, the whole thing, if he's going to do it, I don't think he's going to do it for Mark. I think he's going to do it
1: for Helly. Yep. And, and he, he he needs a comrade to motivate him for the cause, which is exactly Rickon's point here. Again, the book is perfect for what Mark is going through right now. Everything is just well, you know, honed to directly fit to his experience and the words he needs to hear to be inspired to resist. We who have read other things are rolling our eyes in a way that might actually generate electricity. But Mark is inspired to revolution.
0: Strangely enough, I didn't. I didn't roll my eyes at that line because I, I immediately I, thought, "Oh God, Mark reading that line, that is going to land with him."
1: Uh, what this continually does very well is there'll be a line that's either like that one, pretty damn good, otherwise halfway decent, and then it's immediately followed by a line that ruins it.
0: You ready for some wordplay? Go on. Bullies are nothing but bull and lies.
1: Example. Have you Thank heard you that before? I have heard that one before. Okay, I, I had my eyes. This is a new one. To I, I have heard this one before. I, th- I don't think I heard it in sc- I think I heard it as like, you know, a, a, a kid heard that in school and repeated it to me. And I rolled my eyes at a five-year-old upon hearing the line. Rickon repeats it as if it is, it, again, is just utter poetry.
0: Okay. And then we have scientific fact, which is at the center of industry is dust. And then we have poem, uh, poetic. They cannot crucify you if your hand is in a fist. <laughs> i don't know man i think they can put i think people could put a nail through your wrist if your hand's in a fist i'm pr- i think that can happen
1: and, and also you know the whole uh crucifixion uh, like spikes through the through the hand actually they would hold you up like you said they either tie you or they'd impale you through the wrist because otherwise if you just do it through the hand you just slip right off you slip off.
0: right off yeah you fall yeah, yeah they, they absolutely did it through the wrist that's a that's a misnomer uh but anyway we don't S- need to get it st-
1: Stigmata has been all kinds of wrong
0: yeah whatever uh it, it, Should you find yourself contorting to fit a system? Stop and ask if it's truly you that must change or the system. Again, absolutely absurd coming from this moron.
1: What he needs to hear.
0: For Mark, it's like, ah, like even the concept that he could fight back against this entire system, right? That's just been like from his entire existence has been the God Emperor, the only thing, the gravity, the thing you cannot question, the natural law. And now that's getting put in his head. Maybe you can fight back a little bit. To, and by to, the way, you can fight back not for yourself, but for the people that you care about.
1: Can, can I offer a different comparison beyond just simply the Communist Manifesto Fire in terms right. of what this? This is also the Burning Bush. Oh This yeah. is the, the, oh, this got. is the, this is a message coming from God saying, "Free my people." The, is that the, your?
0: Is that your like? Is that your olive branch back to the religious people after I just said that, like, the, the whole, like, nail through the hands thing didn't happen?
1: I build my entire presentation on trying to protect our Fox News You new really audience. helped me out there.
0: Thank you. It's like PR.
1: I am here to help.
0: He brought him right back. Uh, so we cut to Grainer, who drops uh, Pete's insert on Koble's desk. He says they ran the diagnostics. And she says, and? And he says, full synaptic coupling. Don't know what that means. But he explains it. P.D. Kilmer's memory was reintegrated. He says, you were right, Harmony. We should celebrate. I have a question. Getting vibes. Mr. Grainer likes Harmony, right?
1: Yes, he does. And he is consistently put off that she wants nothing to do with him. He He, does like her. He goes in. He's smiling. He wants to be buddy-buddy. He's basically inviting her out for a drink. He's making this a shared cause, whereas previously he was fighting her tooth and nail on each step of this. It's also... Interesting as well that, you know, who is now part of Harmony's circle here of just like, you know, secrecy that she's keeping. It's clearly Grainer. It's clearly Milchick. I'm curious who else might be involved. But straight there with you. Grainer wants to be closer with Harmony. And she is not ready to give him even a half cent, much less two.
0: Yeah, but I think she is leveraging the fact that he likes her um to get him to do things like this like ch- ch- well, checking out the chip because like i don't feel like in the real world <laughs> yeah because i don't feel i feel like if mr grainer was like yeah it does all the time right Like if he was if mr grainer was like a bored lackey if he was like 100 percent bought in he's not willing to break any rule ever mm-hmm. i'm fairly certain he would not be like being the middleman for testing this chip but he's <laughs> doing it i think in part because he's Rolling the dice, he's hoping uh, Harmony might uh, look at him a little differently after he uh, does a favor or two.
1: Yeah, if we're ranking various levels of true believer that we see on the show, is pretty low. He's oh, yeah. Straight up, he straight up mocks Kier, like the idea. Of, oh, look, look, I later was offended. On- I was offended. You, you were Kier. offended on behalf of Couldn't believe, <laughs> it. Couldn't believe it. How I, I dare him? I, we'll get to his line here in a minute, but he, he essentially just kind of rolls his eyes at the idea, of, oh, there's always a Kier quote. Pfft. <laughs> this is the atheist among among the religious right now yeah
0: he he's the one talking about where the the nail went in yeah he's the he's the asshole um we're just quoting
1: him this was none of our yeah it wasn't me
0: me. that was that was absolutely mr Grainer. i figure you'll take a beat before telling the board especially what happened with heli r she looks at him and he says jesus you haven't told him no looks like she has not told the board that someone almost died
1: How on earth does this company operate with this little level of monitoring and oversight? How on earth is no one checking in? Like on a regular basis on what's going on and looking at reports or even just watching camera feed if this is all, you know, the experiment that I think it is. What is this place that she could just cover up and no issue on reporting or issue any press on the subject of a... And Audi as well that knows she got strangled and it's not going up the chain of command. Interesting as well that Audi Helley's not reporting that, factoring into further theories we have about her right now.
0: Would you call what we have seen so far a cult?
1: It has aspects of it, but it is very much a cult in the corporate setting. Okay. It, which is distinct from most of the way you refer, most typical way you refer to it as a cult.
0: But you would you would give it the attributes of a cult. I mean, you you would maybe use some framing to describe it to somebody who doesn't know the situation. But you would say there's, there's cultish aspects to this, right?
1: Hundred yes. percent. Okay.
0: Now, when Helly started finding things like the uh, paper cutter and mm-hmm. the extension cord, we talked about on this podcast, which I stand by, that maybe it was a little bit overconfidence. 100%. On their fact, because they, they they just thought they had everybody in line. They would never had these problems before. Happy cows. My question: See, new 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 podcast segment. Lee's questions. My question is: Does Coble have oversight? Th- the level of oversight that she has for the same reason. Yes. Are they not used to a Coble breaking the mold and and questioning things like reintegration or running her own experiments or the things that she's doing? Maybe. The level above her is similarly overconfident of what we saw with Heli.
1: 100%. 100%. I find it baffling this hasn't happened before, but 100% they have grown into a very comfortable state of complacency in terms of how they deal with each level of turtles all the way up and all the way down.
0: She pushes the chip back to him and says, comb the chip data for source signatures. He says, it's saved, so you can keep it. A gift. Again, still
1: trying to to work it. You got her a corsage.
0: Please find out who did this. I'd like to deliver everything to the board at once. Seems like a good strategy, right? Spencer, you, you support that.
1: Uh, it, it, yeah, it is very much trying to bury the bad news with a whole big pile of good. Like, you know, you.
0: Yeah, that's all, it's a C.J. Craig move, right? It's a C.J. Craig move. It's like, we're
1: going gonna, we're gonna, to put in. this
0: in the afternoon briefing you know, on Friday afternoon when everybody's getting on a plane and
1: leaving D.C. Uh, I think she's also... I'll be curious to see if she actually is able to do this, because I think she is being a little bit foolish in thinking the board wants to hear her theory, even if she has proof on the subject of this whole reintegration thing. Or not think they didn't already know. I very much think that they don't want there to be any record of that. They already have a product that they're marketing. What she's saying is not something they want or need to hear.
0: Cuts to Mark getting at leave, leaving for the day, and he looks at his cell phone. This is, uh, by the way, folks. For those that don't know, a little peek behind. I like to do a little peek behind the curtain every once in a while. You know, like to get to really know Spencer and I. This is what Spencer's phone looks like every single time he looks at his phone. <laughs>
1: <Good>. <laughs>
0: every single time. I every every, every pod- Tuesday when he actually looks at his phone an hour <laughs> before we record, this is what the fucking thing looks like.
1: <laughs> I, I recorded a podcast with BJ on like Saturday morning, <laughs> Sunday morning. I set down my phone, and I just left it for two hours. Because I do that.
0: That's strange for people. That's strange for people.
1: I came back, and my wonderful collection of friends had sent me like eight. 87 texts during that period.
0: Yeah, you you are old school in that way. Like, you are like my dad. Like, my dad will set his phone down and he'll forget it for an afternoon. And like, that's just not, it's interesting. That's what Spencer gets. He picks it up. It's a million calls. Rickon has called Mark a million times. Mark says, oh shit, hustles to leave. I think we can reasonably assume something has happened with his sister. We hear Rickon's voicemail. Hey, Mark. I know you're still in severed Mark form. So it's, what's interesting to me is like every time his sister, yeah. And it's like his sister and Rickon, I think they have regular interactions with Mark. I mean, he came over for dinner to non dinner dinner. He's given him the book. He's there as the uncle during the birthing, like, which by the way, I'm an uncle. I didn't fucking do like, Mm -hmm. I, he's close with these people, but they still don't know how to talk about it, which is interesting. It's almost like maybe, um, it's such an awkward thing that they don't bring it up. They
1: don't talk about it. If you were Mark, would you be offended at this point that they don't understand it better? I mean, he's been yeah, doing this for like two years. This is his job. It's yeah. like, it, 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 it's like, it's like, it's like, like, you know, your family, your best friends don't even know what your job is. It's not like you don't know what that's about.
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's perfect. You know, it is kind of like I'm severed. Like I, I've got a job, uh, and it was interesting. My, uh, Members of my family will just regularly say I'm a painter because they just have no idea. You know what I'm gonna ask them to do? The people sure. who say the people who say I'm a painter from now on, I'm just gonna ask them and say, Can you please do me a personal favor? Don't say painter. Say he's severed. Just, say, <laughs> just start putting that out in the world.
1: <laughs> what What is that? I've got a show for you to watch to understand my. What roots. does
0: Lee do? Oh well, he's severed. That's what. That's what we we know. So he says, I know you're still in severed Mark form, but Devon's at force. So that's the, his sister's name. Devon. Did we get the name before? I'm not sure that we did. I Have a sister.
1: Uh- I did because I'm reading the, I'm reading down the script that's published for each episode. So okay. I'm I mean, Devin. But I don't, I don't remember for sure if they actually said it.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure. He says, but Devin's at four centimeters. This baby's officially coming. Four centimeters on the way, but baby's not coming out right this second.
1: We got time. Um, and it's we're their first. To... This could be a, for, for those that have not had kids, your first can take a long damn time. Yeah, we just had a friend that
0: like, it was like two or three days or something. Like it seems really difficult. Mm-hmm
1: which almost they don't allow you in this day and age. You go after, used to be they would just let you go until until it successfully happened. Nowadays, they got a quota. They will start pressuring you to go C-section after a certain hour passes.
0: He says, we're heading to the birthing retreat now, so please come. Rickon again, we're at the retreat and the child is continuing toward the birth canal. (laughs) He has to say (laughs) things strange. So it would be really great if you were here. I don't know if they let you have your phone down there. Actually, if this is Mark's work self, please tell Rickon Please tell if this is Mark's work self. No, please no. tell him. Rickon said to come quickly. I think this is how Rickon's crazy head's working. I think he thinks if I'm talking to Mark's work self, can Mark's work self please talk to Mark's non-work self and tell him that he needs to come <laughs> here? I think
1: that's what he's trying to Ma, say. Ma, uh, 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 non-work uh, Mark, could you call non-work Mark and give him a message for me? This is essentially what he's asking right now. Like, do you have his in is in is in office number?
0: Mark, we're still here. Wondering if you're lost. We're in cabin six. So you're, you're an uncle, too. Uh, did you get a call like you needed to come to the hospital when this is happening? Um, or were uh, you just kind of told like, and given updates? Like, I, were you, were, Was it assumed that you would be there?
1: I successfully made it to my sister's first of where I had, there was enough time and I had enough notice and there were enough early signs. I flew up and I was able to get there and be there for that.
0: Here's my question for you. If it if it was a male if it was a brother would you have felt the same need because I feel like there's like an imperative when when the when your sister's going through it as opposed to like oh my brother's having a kid.
1: I would still want to be there but I think you actually do have a point yeah like I, I that that's there's a more medical kind of like concern yeah. and effect that's going in that I would definitely want to I'd want to be there even more aggressively for still would want to be there but it's more of a I can't miss this she needs me kind of thing
0: yeah you took the legs right out of my argument though because I was thinking that maybe this is a sh- bit strange that mark is assumed to have to be there but i don't know maybe it's it, more common
1: he and his sister are also from what we see very close yeah so, that's
0: true oh. it's like his only friend basically him
1: it was, you know
0: and, you know what pisses me off is that is always like you were my you're my i was your best friend it's like oh, i think his sister's his best friend
1: uh, you, it, it, that's the category with family though your family's always going to be some category of your best friend or people you're closest with but you don't refer to them as well you'd hope so often often can be the case you don't. You still don't always refer to them as such.
0: Yeah, that's a fair point. Not a lot of people. Yeah, and and you, you do get some eye rolls. when you like? Who's your best friend? My wife. It's like, oh god, that one of those guys that says who, that.
1: Who? Who else? Come yeah, on. Exactly. Yeah,
0: <laughs> my sister. All right, come on, man. Like, let's get to like a, a yeah. fucking non-blood relative that you didn't marry. Uh, cuts <laughs> a mark arriving. And we see the woman he went on a date with. There she is, the doula. He says, "Hey," and it's oh. awkward. So she cuts right through the bullshit. I gotta give this woman credit. She cuts right through it. She goes. Did you forget I was going to be here? <laughs> it's like made me laugh that she asked I, that question.
1: <laughs> I, 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 I like that Mark just just doesn't even deny. It. Just like yeah, slightly. I, it's Mark actually handles himself rather well in this particular moment because he's well, just not trying to cover up anything. He's just being honest, and well, she seems like she appreciates it.
0: Mark is an alcoholic who is not willing not willing to do two things: quit drinking or hide his drinking. Mm -hmm. he's not going to quit and he's not hiding it. So he's going to have situations like this where people are like, Hey man, like you said a thing, you did a thing. And he just goes, he has to like,
1: he probably has this
0: a couple times a week where he has to go. Well, yeah, I don't know. I don't remember that. Sorry about that. If I said, if I said something, I did something, you know, that sort of thing.
1: uh, This is also one example that the show has said at least a little bit in the future. Uh, The the fact that this character, the duo's name is Alexa. That is going to be a thing in like 20 years, isn't it? (laughs)
0: Oh, yeah, a lot of Alexis for sure. Yeah, and it's gonna, it's gonna, she's gonna fuck up so many of those home security systems. <laughs> uh, she says it's fine. He says, yeah. The doula says she's doing great. The contraction's about 20 minutes apart, so they have a little time. So, again, I'm, I don't know this stuff that deeply, but I know if it's 20 minutes apart, you know, still got Wait. some work to do.
1: Uh, And and it seems like From what we end up Seeing here She's got another day Or so Or at least 12 hours Before this is done
0: Rickon is doing the thing Where he cries over her This is what the duel is saying So I'm uh, giving them Some prize He's crying over The child He's crying over the baby
1: Can't say I've ever Seen this Can't say I've ever Even heard this Was this something You were familiar with Or did the show Make this up
0: Absolutely not From this point on You can assume That everything that Rickon proposes Or wants to do I have not fucking Heard of (laughs)
1: We said like an episode or two ago that we we felt like we all knew a Rickon, just like, you know, from the circles. We're yeah, else. yeah, for sure. Don't think I've never known a Rickon to this degree. That's today,
0: a, It's true. He's amped up. He's an amped up version of what I know. That's true. I don't yeah. know anybody quite here. I don't know somebody hanging kelp in the birthing room. Uh, Mark says, sounds good. And he walks, she walks past him and he thanks the doula for taking care of his sister. She says, yeah, yeah, of course. Mark walks in, cuts a Rickon who is crying while putting his head on her stomach. Babe, I just don't want to be like my father. I know it's good you're getting it all out now. So what's wonderful for this woman is she's having to uh, you know have a child first time ever, and she has to take care of this man too. So it's really she, it's really wonderful
1: that she has to. Do she's both she of is those caring things. for a baby while trying to have one.
0: Unbelievable, unfucking believable that she's got to like take care of this guy emotionally while she's going through this thing. It's, this I, guy sucks.
1: And I love how performative it is, because the moment Mark walks in, it drops immediately. Yeah, he like, stopped no, it. no element of crying, no element of sobbing, none of that kind of lingering effect that, you know, it factors into the voice of somebody who's been obviously, you know, legitimately crying. Gone instantly. This was just pure theater.
0: Question, do you think Mark worked this one, this joke out in the conference room for a few minutes before he uh, he dropped it, uh, a la my guy Bert? Because he came in with a heater of a joke. Hey, I'm looking for a baby camp. Come on. Yeah
1: the man had to drive man had to drive he knew we've seen him in in his sister's relationship it's based around a certain degree of polite mockery man was working on that one the entire drive over
0: it was solid they say they are glad he's there she says i don't know if they were going to wake you from your work or whatever so yet again she doesn't know how to talk about it either wake you from your work or whatever
1: that's at least closer that you know it's not just you know it's not
0: hey hey mark work self can you talk to mark non-work self and tell him like that is so far off of how it it
1: works she's expressing just a a certain lack of knowledge rickett is filled in the blanks (laughs) that's
0: a great (laughs) way of putting it that's exactly what happened mentally because yeah she's like basically like can they just like zap you and they could really i mean like if they got they could call him up (laughs) yeah if 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 she had mr milchik's number she could have gotten Mark. He could have gotten Mark on the elevator before the end of the workday, right? That could have happened. Um, he says, oh, no, I saw the message just when I got off. Sorry. She says, no, it's been pretty boring so far. Mark says he's glad to be there. She calls it a cozy nook. The sister asked, um, Devin asked him if Mark saw the cabin next door. It's psychotically expensive. It's like a freaking lodge. I hate whoever's in there. I love her his sister. I love her. She's fantastic.
1: Oh, it's such a... a pro- it's I love that the,
0: she's finding something to fixate on, right? In this stressful oh yeah, situation, it, she can be like anything other than the pain. That I don't like.
1: Yeah, I am unhappy with my present situation, and I'm going to use it to gender all the energy I need to burn down this person's house.
0: And we've got the the again the um, samsarma, the recycling of life, the reincarnation of people, the dumbed down um, fractional version of Karl Marx. Here it goes: it's just fat cats making fat kittens.
1: I didn't think that one was that bad! I thought that one was okay! Like, in the moment? Hey, when Ricketts not trying to be on a pedestal, when Ricketts not trying to sound highfalutin, at times he actually comes across as vaguely human, and we see a couple of them here. That's just a couple these,
0: though. But see, that's how these people get you, Spencer. Is that they're not unreasonable all the time. They're reasonable just enough to suck you in, and then they drop because there's a line coming up here that I cannot fucking wait to say.
1: Yes, there
0: is. Um, she has a contraction. Fuck. Mark says, um, say a secret. Mark, Mark, say a secret quickly. The fetus is drawn to clear air. Purging secrets can create a soul void that speeds the labor.
1: Whoa. Mark offers what I was (laughs) literally thinking at the exact moment he said that, when he responds, okay, and we want that.
0: Purging secrets can create a soul void that speeds the labor. This guy is bananas.
1: Uh, I know people that are into crystals. I've never met people that are into purging secrets to create soul voids.
0: You know, every week I'm like, yeah, there's some weird thing Rick and does. And I'm like, yeah, I've seen that here around Asheville somewhere. Yeah, yeah. You know, like that's that's like in my hometown. I'm, I'm near a bunch of hippies. Never heard something like this. Nope. That's that's a, that's a bridge category. too far. That's it, too far.
1: It, this is the category if you can go to the most that category of person, you know, and they're looking at that guy saying, you make us all look bad, dude. Please leave.
0: Rickon starts, Mark, I love you and I feel hurt that you haven't called to thank me for the book yet. Oh, shit. He references the book. I got excited. It's out. Mark says the book. She says they left a copy of his new book on Mark's doorstep five days ago. Rickon clarifies five full days. Mark says he definitely hasn't seen that. Mark says it must have been stolen or something. Rickon then starts to groan, upset. That was an advanced copy. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. In the background, the woman, in all caps in my notes, giving fucking labor is also moaning, but not quite as not quite as loud as this moron. He's, he's, he's moaning a little bit louder than the woman giving labor.
1: I mean, if she's moaning at a five he's at an eight and he's very much threatening to go higher here shortly his world is collapsing in this the present woman. moment
0: she's giving she's giving birth this woman's in labor and this fucking moron is moaning louder than her because his yep. stupid book cut out mark asks her if uh she's okay rickon says it's fine it's fine oh okay i'm okay okay he's trying to calm himself down she says she's okay she says she's gonna go get a coffee really you sure and she leaves he tells her to be careful spencer coffee pregnant she, she, I haven't she, given she, birth
1: she's looking for any excuse to not be here right now with Rickon and-
0: yeah but my question is can women can women having giving birth drink coffee
1: sure I don't think there's any particular prohibition on it
0: really because I don't think pregnant women are supposed to drink caffeine
1: I, we're, we're reaching a stage of where what we'll, we'll go through your system that fast to affect the fetus
0: okay well let's pop some bottles in. let's pull the vodka out <laughs>
1: What? okay we, let's make we, this real easy <laughs> we, we we need we need a test subject right now please please volunteer
0: i thought it was strange she said i don't know just uh, maybe i, I don't I, I i maybe i don't know anything uh maybe you, this is you, fine you keep
1: going i'm actually look up what the caffeine guides are for pregnant women
0: okay leaving mark and rick in there alone i've, I've always heard that women could have like maybe one cup of coffee a day or something total mm-hmm. um mark asked her if she's okay rick it says it's fine it's all fine okay okay i'm I'm fine. Uh, Leaving Mark and Rick in there alone, Mark says, well, this is this is good. Can we uh, can we finish setting up the room? Uh, Because Devin left and they're there together. Mark um, Rick and wants Mark to help set up the room. And he says, oh, Mark, would you help me hang the kelp, hang the kelp? Why? And then Rick and with maybe the most intuition he's ever shown on the show ever says, do you really want me to explain it? It's like, okay, he can drop the guard. Devin's not around anymore, and he can just be like, I know you don't give a fuck about what I'm saying. I,
1: I actually really appreciated that about it. That we actually did. made me like Rick in a little bit. It's just like he's aware that his views are weird. He's aware that Mark's not into them. He's still going to do them, but he's not going to force them on Mark in that. It's like, oh, hey, there's a colonel of human in there. Nice to meet you.
0: Let me see Mark's sister in front of the
1: other cabin. She
0: went to the rich cabin. Of course she yeah. did. And she calls out through the window to another woman and calls herself another pregnant lady. I'm just another pregnant lady from right down there. Ask if she can have some of her coffee. Mark's sister um, thanks her because the lady says yes. Uh, De- uh, and, and she goes inside. Devon introduces herself as Devon. She says her husband is driving her crazy and her brother is depressing her. That checks out. Not a shocking scouting report. The lady just shakes her head. Ask her if uh, it's her first. And she says yes. The lady says it's her third. She's thinking of naming the third. William. Devin drops this line. Three kiddos? I'm so fucking scared of ruining one child. Preach, sister. Preach. Uh, how do you handle it? A lot of help, I guess. Oof, cringy. A lot of help, I guess. That's tough. Devin. Uh,
1: she, she, made me, made, she made me help in a different way.
0: I took, yeah, maybe. Maybe I, because I, because the, the emphasis on her being rich, I just assumed she was talking about like hired help, like the, a bunch of things and stuff. Um, but, yeah, maybe she's like, I just get fucking tanked all the time. Um, so then Devin <laughs> drops. She's so charming to me. She just goes, are you rich? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Devin is so straightforward. to the people. She's just immediately charming. You can't help but. The lady likes her, too. You can her.
0: tell. Yeah. The lady awkwardly it, laughs at that, and they kind of connect.
1: The, the ladies at first has her guard up. Like, who the hell was this woman that just kind of, you know, persuaded her way into my house to ask for coffee? The moment that line drops, she's like, okay, you're going to be fun.
0: Are you rich? Uh, man, that's fantastic. I couldn't get away with that line. If I said uh, that line, I it would sound like I would sound like such a dick.
1: Uh, in, in answer to Pretty Woman and Caffeine, I've read the first ten articles that showed up when I Googled it. All ten disagree with each other on whether you should at all, how much is safe, when you should do it. There is apparently not a steady consensus on this point. Yeah, and I also like...
0: No, I'm not breaking new ground here, but I also don't like some, and sometimes I fall into this and I, I, I wish I didn't, but we fall into this like language of she can't have. Yeah. Like, and that's bullshit, right? Oh, she still has agency. It's just a, it's a person. She could fucking do whatever she wants. Like it, it, I think what, what people mean is like the guidelines say you shouldn't, but like the idea, like she can of course she can have fucking caffeine. It, if she wants to, of course she
1: can. It, I think the source is probably the most, most, Honest and truth I've described is just, until we know more, current studies show that under 200 milligrams a day of caffeine is not harmful, amounting to a 12-ounce cup of coffee. So one should likely limit themselves to such amounts.
0: Maybe—here's some Rickon science—maybe the the caffeine will energize the fetus to want to do some work. And, oh, yeah. And start to travel. Like, you know, like, sometimes I have a cup of coffee before I go no, to the gym, No, that no, kind no, no. Of thing.
1: So you need to understand— That what motivates them is a sense of wonder, a sense of adventure, and the smell of the sea air that comes off the kelp, they are drawn to that. They are drawn to the call of the wild that it represents, and so it brings them forth from the womb into a realm of adventure.
0: I think it. I think it gets them like ja- I like, think they're like pumped. Like ready. to Like fetus is ready to get. Look, folks. I, I can already. I can already read the internet articles. These two <laughs> fucking dumb males talking about. Pre- look, we're making fun of ourselves. We, we're yes, in man. on the joke. We we know we're idiots. Um, so Rick and then with the best of transitions ever, um, says the last time Mark was in a medical facility, he was there with Gemma, Mark. Oh, is that what this is? A medical facility? So they're, they're literally rushing. hanging kelp up in this yeah. place. When Mark and uh, Rickon says the the baby's middle name could have been a tribute to Gemma, but I understand you were unable to be comfortable with it. Don't like the phrasing there. Yeah. Mark says the kid deserves its own name without big fucking feely baggage. Solid counter by Mark. Where do you land on this, Spencer?
1: Uh, I land entirely about that should not be a thing particularly if Mark's not comfortable with it. And Rickon should truly get bent if he thinks it is okay to even express that point the way he just did right there.
0: You speak for both people on this podcast. Um, Mark walks out. Then we see Devin walk back. We see Mark and Rickon sleeping. She comes back, says she's got some coffee. Mark asks for a time. How
1: long was she gone? Like hours?
0: Well, it looks like they lay down. Like for like a nap, so she must have been over there chatting for like an hour. Probably she probably had some contractions in this lady's house, and so they did it together.
1: <laughs> wasn't going back in that madhouse. Fantastic. I'm in the mansion here.
0: Man, his sister, she rules. Devin says she made friends with the richest lady in the baby camp. She was quiet, but she was nice, very cute. I should, uh I should, should bring you up there. He says, uh, I imagine uh, she's spoken for. and They laugh. And uh, she says, "I bet Alexa would give you another shot. I bet she wouldn't. I bet you could ask, so you can see." As much as I do love the sister, really do care, I do think she's phenomenal. She is pushing this on Mark a lot.
1: Is this the scene that you referenced in another podcast? If you're like you were asking my opinion on it or something, you, re- you I, I had a memory of this scene before I hit here. I feel like you've referenced this before in some way. About-
0: I, I probably fucked up. I mean, I th- I think that like her pushing the um the dating on to him mm-hmm. is something that ends up being so pervasive. I probably like what's letting the cat out the bag a little early with you on that.
1: Well, I, mean, I, I He responds well on the subject of, yeah, she's probably taken. How, how do you feel about whether he has any chances with the duel anymore with Alexa? He does not. I think the two of them could be friends. I think the two of them could, you know, maybe, more share a better meal now that they have a certain understanding. The two of them will not be romantic for reasons beyond just simply a pleasant date—a a not particularly pleasant date. Mark's just not there for
0: it. You want to know how he could probably get a second date? How? Order water.
1: That'd be a hell of a start.
0: I think if he if he showed some growth, if he said like I know I was I'm work I worked on this like I'm not do like maybe you know that, but as long as he's still in the same headspace no, I don't imagine that's happening. But his sister is just really. I love her. She's great. But he, she is pushing Mark on this. And I, I think that she has, the and we've talked about this before in this podcast, that sort of misguided thought that if somebody is uh, grieving, whether it be a, a spouse who died or a relationship that failed, there are these get back on the horse people. There are these people who think you just got to go back out and date and then you'll feel better. I'm somewhere in the middle, but there,
1: I think that's what his sister is. To, to reference another show that you recommended to me and I watched on your recommendation. What? You
0: did that for sure? Shrinking. Ah, uh, what a good show!
1: But remember that about the main yeah, character in Shrinking. Yeah. Talked about his best friend wouldn't let him grieve, wouldn't let him get low, and how much that hurt their relationship.
0: Yeah, because he was always trying to be pull, always trying to pull him out of it. It wouldn't let him just go through the process.
1: It's an important part of it. I understand where she's coming from. She's concerned. Like you referenced, Mark has no other contacts really in the world other than her and Rickon. God help her. God help him. She's trying to change that. She's trying to be helpful she's also just not perfectly reading the tea leaves for what he is capable of right now or needs right now.
0: Yeah. And you know, I'm a fix it person. Like I I do default to that. Like you really, Yeah, (laughs) yeah, I I always want to like try to fix stuff and like help people. And uh, it is, it's like a lesson for me too. It's like, sometimes people, the best thing you can do for them is like, let the natural process play out and like, don't fuck with them. And that's hard for some people, myself Uh, included.
1: I adore that. I broke you in this regard. (laughs)
0: yeah yeah that's true like i i do know i do i have learned with you at least to like not fucking bother you like i do know that like I, that's one thing i've learned about our- <laughs> in the 14 years we've been friends i have Man. learned sometimes spencer just doesn't want to hear lee's voice like he needs to you need to just back off for a couple of days I, I do know that
1: i know that. In, in, in fairness not unique to you <laughs>
0: Oh, I don't... I never thought it was. No, 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 totally. No, I I, uh, I just have to learn here. This is different. This is... I'm telling you. It's hard for me. I'm a fixer. She mm-hmm. starts uh, hurting again, and she has to squeeze Mark's hand. Now, this is something I have seen people do, and I do feel like I could be good at. You can squeeze his hand. somebody's hand? hand? Squeeze his hand all day long, man. I can take it. Absolutely.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: 100%. Uh, need me to tell you a secret? She says, yeah. They start laughing, and he. she says, give me your dark shit, and he actually goes in.
1: Yeah. Um... A, Mark, I don't think that's actually what she wants right now. And B, what the fuck are you doing? I disagree with you here. I, I think she wants to hear it. I don't think right now is what, well, let me rephrase this. I think this is a conversation the two of them could have, and she would love to be a part of it. What she was expecting right here, right now, was not that.
0: Agreed. But I think that part of what they were doing and have been doing is like when is they're trying to get her mind off it right yes and and this, i think that this does it so i actually think this is like a good this is like th- this is a conversation that will need to be re- 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 we got we'll to come re- we got to come back to this it's like what, what do they say in business meetings or you just want to shoot yourself parking lot it let's parking lot it uh yeah that sucks <laughs> i wish people could see how much
1: you cringed never <laughs> want you to use that language again. This is my safe space. I'm away from that right now. Do you do not oh. bring that evil on me right now.
0: Good lord, he was upset by that. His whole like his all he, he fell out of camera, folks. Like he actually p- fell out of camera. Uh yeah, I so
1: I never thought I'd get level of betrayal from you that you bring <laughs> that kind of corporate jargon into our world. <laughs>
0: I, I I apologize. I want to tone for my sins. Uh, so, yeah, it, it, basically, I think that like this actually worked, but they're going to have to talk in more depth about it later. But okay, it did do what it, he was trying to do, which is to get her mind on something else. So he says, I kind of think Lumen might be up to something. What do you mean? Like with your paychecks? Mark says, no, no, no. It's like stuff, you know, like just been hearing stuff around. She's like, from who? And he says, do you remember the businessman? And she's a bad contra- contraction. Holy fucking bit of hell. She screams. Why do people do this? Don't touch me. Uh, and, and he goes, uh, he goes out to get Alexa next morning. Uh, we hear, and I think my prediction uh, would be at this point that maybe that will be talked about again. Cause he did kind of open a can of worms there next morning. We hear some of the sounds from the birthing and Mark is outside. So we're doing another montage. Love, love the montages. Of this episode Mark's outside. He's looking at the, the water. He's not like actually there when the birthings happen. He's just like kind of around the corner. And, um, cut to mark's home the box and the cell phone cut to mark outside again he's having flashes of pd oh my god oh my god thank you she did so great i'm gonna pass out so that's happening audio in the background to let us know that the baby was born while mark was was out on the beach um
1: mm-hmm. cut
0: to milchick good
1: what what do you think like 18 19 hour labor based on where we are in the morning right now
0: yeah i mean it went all the way through the night and and clearly past breakfast so um and she was going before he got there right so mm-hmm. it had to be yeah, a better part of a day, if not a day.
1: Hell of a... Hell of a huh, he, he, when I say hell of a labor, I mean it in a few ways.
0: Yeah, yeah. foo tough. Um, so, cut to uh, Milchik, who is talking to someone and says, She was in Audi form at the time she woke up, so this will be any Helly's first conscious experience since huh. the hanging. And then we learn he's talking to fucking Mark, who seems to be a little blown back by this, as you might imagine. Milchik goes on, when she sees you, it's important your eyes. Be kind. Spencer, let's do a quick test here. Can you show me some kind eyes?
1: I'm wearing glasses, so no.
0: <laughs> yeah. I imagine it would be something similar to like how Mark is. I don't know. What does kind eyes mean? Who knows what that means? Do you know how to get your eyes kind? I, Mark th- tries, and he can, looks real strange.
1: I would just... My default would be like vaguely a little bit sad like that kind of just like you know oh that kind of like you've seen you, you've seen a sad thing or someone just told a sad story that kind of like immediate reaction you have mark seems to go for a certain element of i just saw a rat and i'm excited about it in terms of his eye movement
0: it's very weird and milchik gives him a disapproving look mark tries it again it's not working Cuts to uh mark and milchik by the elevator uh mark is standing there and milchik walks away the elevator opens we hear ellie <gasps> gasping because she's right back to the hanging mentally and she's sitting down in the corner of the elevator when we see her gasping
1: Helly's probably we did not see heli wake up when mark mark and grainer pulled her down her likely last conscious moment thought was i'm dead probably now she's woken up again and she's been hell
0: yeah Mark comes in, crouches down, and says, you're okay, you're okay, it's all right. She looks at him, and he does something very strange with his face, and she just seems disappointed in him. Um, <laughs> so they, uh, they they locked away the extension cords and other dangerous items. You should be safe. And if you want to focus on looking at happy numbers for a while, that's fine. She laughs at that. Mark just says, yeah, that's basically all he's got. He leans in. He says, do you want to talk about it? She looks at him like, what the fuck, and just walks away without saying anything to him.
1: Again, what makes this all the more nightmarish is Audi heli had a couple days to heal, which is still no way near enough. Any heli has had nothing. Nothing at all. Nothing. There is no transition between that moment and being back at work.
0: Cut to Irving. We should hide inspirational handbook quotes for her to stumble upon. Dylan, she just needs to start early perks, dude. I did in my life have had a heavy finger trap. So right there, those two sentences, all you need to know about motivation. They just laid that out because they are looking at somebody who is not motivated, not happy to be there and they're saying, "Well, what motivates me is," and they just give it to you on a silver platter.
1: I would I would have loved if we'd heard from Mark what in, ter- in terms of what would be his response there. I think he's too empathetic to assign it to any category like, you know, that works for me. He'd be more focusing on what he thinks she needs. But I'd still would like to hear what what gets him through the day. I I think my
0: opinion of Mark because I don't think we have a clear answer to that question. No. My opinion of Mark is that he gets through the day because he doesn't want to disappoint the people around him.
1: Ooh, I like that. I, I kind of, I'm kind of with that. Yeah, there's a certain element of not 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 peer pressure. What's the word I'm going for? Um, not not wanting to let, to let people down.
0: Yeah, he doesn't want he doesn't want to let the people down. That's why I thought that line about fight for the soldier next to you was so perfect for Mark because it's like mm-hmm. that's his motivation is like to did literally the people in the foxhole with him. Like I want to take care of Dilly, I'll take care of Irving, take care of Ellie. That's that's how he gets through his days. So there you go. Uh, clear motivations for each employee. Dylan says that they should lend her one of the traps until she gets one of her own. But not me, though. I contributed the idea. It's only fair. Again, strong Dylan episode.
1: Doesn't he have like ten of the damn things sitting oh, in a jar on his desk? Absolutely.
0: Yeah, he's got a, he's got a bounty bounty of finger traps.
1: But but they're not for sharing. He earned those things. You know, someone uh, else can have, someone else can carry that water.
0: Well, he did contribute the idea. Of course. Mark gets something out of his desk, and we see that someone has walked up to him. Miss Casey. All right, I'm gonna just like. Can we rename the title of this episode? I'm going to call Apple Plus and get them to change it on the app.
1: You've got that poll. Yeah, go on. Yeah.
0: How about the episode where everyone developed their own Miss Casey theory?
1: <laughs> yes.
0: Let's call so, it that.
1: Miss <laughs> Casey in limited doses came across as maybe a vaguely normal human being. Miss Casey with more time spent for her, not human. Non-human, Not convinced whether it's a pod person or a a lizard person in human skin or actually just even just a straight robot. Those exist. It is nothing resembling a standard neurotypical functioning human being.
0: I'll tell you, when this episode happened, the the Severance viewers everywhere, all collectively, everybody put their hand up. I got a Miss Casey theory. I got a Miss Casey theory.
1: My my main Miss Casey theory is I don't think Miss Casey has an Audi life. I think Miss Casey is herself severed in some shape or form and operates to that degree on this floor because well there's a lot going on with this
0: woman. She says I'm here to observe Heliar. Mark says no one told him. Miss Cobel's orders I am to watch her for signs of sadness and verbally encourage her to forego further suicide attempts upon request. I can also perform a huck. Up comes Dylan. You know, I've been exhibiting some signs of sadness. Can I get one of those? No, <laughs> she she shuts him down. Yeah, he's. Uh, I think Dylan's a little sweet on Miss Goble or not Miss Goble, Miss
1: um, Casey. I, I think yes. I don't. I don't think. I don't think he's exclusive in that regard. But yes, I think he is a bit sweet on her. I think he is. Yeah. And Dylan uh,
0: sits right back down. Irvin closes the cubicle. We see Helly just sitting at her desk, head down. Miss Casey is watching her. Miss Casey writes something down. Did you get all that? So Helly snaps. She like, are you upset? No, I'm just peachy. If you're upset, you can request a hug. I know, I know, I can request a hug. And she fiddles with the numbers a little bit. Cut to Irving, and the numbers are blending together, and he sees the black tar stuff dripping on his desk again. And he looks up, more black tar is coming in through the ceiling. It drips and drips, and we get a chaotic, chaotic music, and we see Mark, and Mark is missing an eye, and in the socket is this black oozing liquid, and then, whoop, snaps out of it. Did and, you lose you again there, buddy? Mark says.
1: And, yeah, two, two things there. One, Mark is now getting aware enough of Irv's drowsing or whatever he's calling dozing I think he called it um that he's able to recognize the signs and call it out right there right there in the moment also just a thing to say right away the mice that they're using for their jobs would piss me off to no end This kind yeah. of like the the ball the trackball on top of the mouse I had one of those growing up I hated it so much
0: it's the, those do stink I, do, I' really not I don't like those either I um I'm a big fan of the they've they've gotten me into this and like I you know I'm of an age where this was not I had to learn, learn this recently, but I go back and forth with the screen and the mouse and the touch. I need the touchscreen. I constantly never, never gotten used
1: to it. Never gotten used to it.
0: You're going to become an iPad man soon, and when you do, you begrudgingly. Will get used to it. Oh, you're going to get used to it. The touchscreen is huge in that regard. You're going to love it. Uh, you're going to fall right in. Fall right in line like a good Lumen employee.
1: Cult of Apple.
0: Yeah. What was I going to say? Oh, I was going to say. Um, think about at this point in the episode already what we've seen of marks any which is like what maybe five or six minutes of screen time yeah think about how much work he's been doing this entire episode for others
1: to check on all of the people that are under
0: checking everybody he's he was the first one to notice the thing about Irvin. he's checking on heli he's like clearly upset about her asking her how she's doing trying to figure out some way to break through with her he's constantly focusing on others and you got to think like if that's his default think about how he'd be in a relationship like Losing that person, it had to be like for that type of person that's like constantly like a giver and like builds yeah. their life around helping others to lose the other person. I think I think we're getting some some insight into Mark here.
1: We're seeing the rubble of the man that was as a result of that.
0: So uh, Irving says he's got to go back to o Something has come up and I'd like to seek Burke's counsel. OK, fine. Just make a copy of that map in case we have to come find you. So Irving does just that. But what comes out of the printer is not the map. It is a horrendous picture of people fighting, <laughs> eating, and tearing at each other, straight last of a situation. Um, looked like the revolution.
1: I like the art style. Subject matter, not as much for me. And it comes so out of nowhere, I thought that Irving was still dreaming. I did like, where did that come from? You just photocopied a map. Why is that showing up? But we find out here shortly.
0: I think that's a great point that putting this back to back with his dream sequence has people on their back foot during the, during the scene, people not quite sure if we're seeing what we're seeing. I think that's a great, I think they probably did that on purpose. Mr. Milchick runs up. I'm sorry, Irvin, we must've sent this print job here by mistake. You weren't supposed to see this question at this point in the episode. Spencer, do you think this was a mistake?
1: No, I thought this was an intentional by Milchick. I thought, I thought this was, Oh, I know what this is. I, 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 before milchick even continued with it i'm like okay they're 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 feeding the uh, the intra-wars happening between departments right here
0: yeah irving's upset what are these milchick says nothing a joke from miss cobell it's the o and d coup isn't it the one that dylan talks about did it actually happen mr milchick of course not nothing like that could happen here irvin has a copy i'm surprised milchick didn't take them all this is where this that's what my that's what my bullshit reader came off is that if it was truly a mistake fairly certain he's not gonna leave a copy with her no. he's just hanging out. Yeah.
1: It's like, oh I'm so sorry you weren't supposed to see that it's nothing, nothing at all. Well but you can keep anyway, a copy. Keep Show on. it to your yeah. friends.
0: Yeah, because I mean, because that's the that's the corporate culture at Lumen, right? Like, yeah, yeah we, you can just have shit and like just have, you know, contraband everywhere. No big deal. Yeah. We're not going to lock they, this stuff down.
1: They, they still talk about talk about a couple red hots they found on the floor. And he's just leaving a painting of a violent coup happening on the floor that they're denying ever happened. Yeah, sure. So I believe this. So Dylan
0: and Irvin are talking about this. And of course, saying it's proof of the O&D coup, Irving says Milchik said it didn't happen. And why would one department physically attack another? I think we do have a pretty good reveal in this conversation, though. They go on, and says Lumen would just give them, all, like like they would assume that Lumen would just give them all the other department's resources, like still yeah. trying to figure out the justification what, for the, the, the attack of departments. What's the value
1: of it? Other, other than just for the sake of bloodlust, what are they getting out of it?
0: Dylan says, does Owen, do you know that? Are we even sure about that? Because with seven people, there's a lot they can do to us. So that's the reveal that Irvin has told Dylan what he saw um, when he opened the door.
1: Yeah. And this, this is something I just, I guess I just had incredibly wrong. I did not look at that room that we saw and assume, oh, well, there's seven people in there. I looked at that aircraft hangar that extended beyond my ability to see the end of it and went, oh, well, we're seeing seven. There may be hundreds. But I apparently, think,
0: think, there's seven. I think basically the entire audience did that. I think they wanted you to. That's why they showed you the scale, and they look, it looked like it was sprawling and going on. And then there's a reveal this episode that, it, that the number of people and there's actually actually really only seven. Um, yeah, or at least that's what
1: that's what, we're that's what Irving
0: Irving saw, and that's what Irving sees this uh, episode, right?
1: Ir- Irving's a bit of a literalist. He saw seven. There are seven.
0: Your new friend who lied to you about the size of his department. How do we even know? He's, how do we how do we know what he isn't being kosher about? So Irvin told Dylan what he saw. We see Milchik
1: walking, more hallway walking. He runs into Kobo. You ran a two sixty six on Irving B. A two sixty six. Write that down in your handbooks, people. We haven't gotten codes before. <laughs> two sixty six is what he ran, and Milchik seems a little
0: put i look as somebody who supervises people i've seen this fucking face before the, I, uh, the are you why are you questioning me like i thought i had this i thought i had this approval yeah. to do this now i'm getting micromanaged by this asshole uh he just goes yeah uh, i thought it might dissuade him from spending so much time with bert g coble looks at him and he says i'm sorry should i have consulted you and coble goes no 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 no, no good initiative um you gotta question coble's management skills here if if, if 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 he truly has the authority to do it on his own why are you questioning him about it three seconds after it happens?
1: I think it ties in as well to just the very hands-off style of running things and management that this company operates on. The idea that someone was even watching him and is now asking him to explain himself is f- clearly foreign to him. For this,
0: I saw his Casey down there. You're having her watch R? May I ask why this is? This is uh, Milchik to Kobol. She gives. She says this. The light of discovery shines truer upon a virgin meadow than a beaten path. Milchik just looks at her coble gets closer and she says i'm trying something new with miss casey coble smiles keep it between us more secrets milchik doesn't like that and just says he does not right okay as she walks away
1: Uh, again so many secrets so many little initiatives that she's engaging in without official authority or any authorization to do it i think she's feeling a bit bigger herself in terms of everything that she's now doing
0: Look at you. So you think she's a little too big for a British situation? Maybe she needs ah. to be knocked down a peg by the board.
1: I think she's getting the, I think she's getting very confident in her ability to run this without oversight and I think that's going to ask for problems later.
0: What do you think her motivation is?
1: For herself. Justify, ju- justify for the rewards. Justifier. It's not to free the
0: innies She's not the the general. She's not the, the good the good man. Fight good fight. She's not Dwight D Eisenhower here going to storm Normandy.
1: No, I think I think I think in some ways what she's doing in terms of testing the system and providing little stabilizing elements and pushing things is more from the context of she sees herself as a true follower of Keir's word, and she sees this as not in keeping with that, or sees that there's problems with that that a true follower would be willing to point out and test.
0: Cut to Helly. who's just starting to scrub the, mar- right, trying to scrub the, the markings off her neck from the hanging, and she's just violently rubbing herself. Tough scene to watch. She looks in the mirror. She turns around, coming to her. Uh, cut to her coming out of the bathroom. R., please describe for me. You time in the restroom, Miss <laughs> Casey. Very it sounds it sounded so natural too when she said it. it right? She's just a natural. She's it, oh, just, just until- great re- repertoire.
1: Up until this moment, I felt that Miss Casey was just maybe a little awkward with having to do a job that she hasn't otherwise been previously called for. When she says this, I'm like, oh, no, you're different.
0: Did feel a little Westworldy, didn't
1: it? It did. It felt like, oh, you're trying to human right now. Uh,
0: So, cut to Mark, who knocks over his coffee. Dylan says this line. Great insight. Bet you're drunk. What did your mouth taste like when you came
1: in today? It's such a hell of an insight it's so interesting to unpack that further if anything we discussed to what degree him being drunk all the time factors in down here the fact that dylan's mind goes there immediately suggests that this has been apparent to some degree previously for him to even think that yes
0: i think he starts a lot of shifts drunk it doesn't surprise me that dylan sniffs it out uh and it doesn't surprise me he's willing to talk openly about it you know i think one thing i'm learning in this episode is that the fuck? These fucking guys—they're tight. Like Irvin oh, yeah. shared that that real serious secret he had about O and D with Dylan, with seemingly without a second thought. Dylan is read into Mark to the point that he he can like intuit that Mark might be drunk. Mm-hmm. That his, his Audi has this problem.
1: These people talk, and they are very close. Hundred percent. Again, when when was there, they were a, they were practically a family.
0: Miss Casey turns back to Helly. You have to come with me to Distribution Supply. Mark says he can watch her while Miss Casey goes. Miss Casey clarifies, it's an eight-minute walk. But she relents and leaves. As she does, Dylan makes another pitch. I can go to to Distribution Supply all the time. I mean, I know exactly where it is. Can I go with you if you want? No. (laughs) She just walks in. So he he took another swing there. A little swing and a miss there with Miss Casey. Helly sits down and says, that's one less horrible thing for eight minutes anyway. Mark tells her he hasn't shown her where they keep the extra pin caps. She's like, I'm good. Come
1: on, Helly, catch up. Yeah. He's looking for an excuse to go have a talk with Come you right on. now.
0: He dropped the coffee on purpose. Uh, Mark y- says,
1: you think, you think he's even doing pen caps just because of that prior time she tried to swallow one. Is that
0: oh, him? I had made that connection. Maybe,
1: maybe that's a callback
0: for, her. So yeah.
1: Let, 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 me use a phrase that refers to a secret the two of us share.
0: Oh, that's good. I like that. That's a little nugget there. Mark says, Oh yeah, we shouldn't go anywhere without Miss Casey. and That gets the message to her. Yeah. Right. Uh, so she gets up to go with him. Dylan says, be careful out there, boss. Weird energy about. Dylan, fucking D- finger the, on the
1: pulse. Finger on the pulse and the defender of the department. Dylan is your ride or die guy. That I like him with,
0: so much. He has a strong uh, episode. He really uh,
1: does. Assuming he doesn't go rabid and murder somebody and because of your present state of mind, he's going to be the guy that's at that your back at all times you need it.
0: When questions about Mark's ability to be the leader of the department and his competency in that position came up, Dylan shared that he had some concerns. But guess what? Even though he has those dis- concerns, very much acknowledges Mark as boss, and he's got his back, and he's looking yeah. out for him. Weird 100%. energy about. Good good fucking call. Cuts him Miss Casey coming back with replacement things that Mark spilled coffee on. She walks past the conference room, and Bert is in there muttering to himself Peace. and walking around. She looks and she sees it. She keeps walking. We see Mark and Heli walking. So where are all these pin caps at? This is Mark and Heli talking. Mark asks her how she's doing. Jesus, did you make up the pin caps just to ask me that? Helly, Helly's prickly in this conversation to the point of mean that I was almost rooting for Mark to give up on her. I'll be honest with you. I was getting really frustrated with Heli. She's being uh, ro- like rotely mean to him.
1: She is. I was still looking at it from okay. I'm gonna give you as much room as you need. You did just nearly die. Effectively, not even effectively die yesterday. You effectively died like an hour ago.
0: Yeah, uh, it, you, that's, that, that's that's the rare valid point there from Spencer. But I see, <laughs> like she she does this all. She's been doing this all the time. Like, she's she's not I willing. I think that it seems to me that Helly is equating. If I open up and become close with these people, then I'm accepting my fate here, and I don't want to do that, so I'm going to reject the right. friendship and reject everything Mark is offering here. And I just think it's a false equivalency. I don't think you have to do both. I think I think you can be friends with Mark and still fight the system and not want to be there.
1: 100%. She also should know at this point that she can trust Mark. Um, I, don't, I think she's getting there eventually. But I think I there's think an important thing to remember, that any heli and Audi heli are still effectively the same person. And Audi Heli, as we've seen, is one of the more evil people we've, you know, observed recently in media. Kind of an asshole. So taking that into a, in, in, you know into account, some aspect of that is in any heli, and we do see that at least a bit in terms of how she interacts with other people. As, you know, by comparison, her being mildly prickly is a bright ray of sunshine compared to, you know, what we see of Audi.
0: Which is what we get right here because she tells Mark, I'm really bad, Mark. Thanks for noticing. He pulls her aside. They go into a different room. They sneak into a room that has everything covered in plastic. Almost looks like it's been like packed up before a move or something or um, before like like weatherized or something for a long vacancy. Um, he hands her the notes and he says, yeah, since you've been gone, I've been trying to recreate PD's map mm-hmm. on my lunch breaks. He suggests they work on it together. She hands it back and says, I'm not your new PD." And that's when I was like, that one that's that's the every one up till now I've been giving her the credit the credit and that one okay. struck me as particularly mean.
1: She's in a particularly mean state. She's angry, she's hurt, she's resigning herself to the fact that this is now her world and life forever. She's not in a great state of mind and being in whatever way. Mark's effort here though is very sweet in terms of he's trying he's trying to make amends for cut, cutting off the for deleting the map earlier which she clearly seized on quite, to quite a degree he's trying to give her something that she can just you know put her mind on and commit to this is a good idea at his regard and he explains it even better later
0: yeah she did just try to kill herself maybe i shouldn't be critical yeah probably 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 took an l on that one maybe i shouldn't be critical of a woman who just tried to hang herself yeah sorry sorry folks Again, i'm not perfect i make mistakes it,
1: it, it is just such a weird world to unpack what they're in. It is hard to look at it in that kind of way. Yeah, it's but it's true.
0: To... But you, you, when you reframed it, I'm like, yeah, you know what? I probably should take it easy on her. She like literally 20 minutes ago was hanging in an elevator. It's yeah, so that's true. That's you're right about that. Uh, she walks and he follows her. Cut to Miss Casey walking in and she notices Heli is gone and starts to panic uh, or as much panic as Miss Casey seems capable of Irving and Dilling tells her that Mark took her to look at pin caps, but they boy, do they downplay this, right? Um, they're like it's fine. Irving's like they're it's fine. cool. Dylan's like ah, don't worry about it. I mean, they're really covering for Mark, right? Uh, Miss Casey walks out, but tells Irving that Bert G is in the conference room on her way out. Interesting that, that she is really yeah. interesting because she tells Irving, "Hey,
1: your friend, basically your friend's in the conference room." Because they're not supposed to do if, if she's part of management to a degree. They're not supposed to do that. They're not no. supposed to you know encourage any degree of interaction between departments. Milchik straight up trying. to How did she snuff even it know? Right it? I mean, she saw him, but with, how does she know the fact that Irving has a relationship yes. with him? Yeah. Maybe either Irving or Bert told her, because we've seen both of them meet with uh, Mrs. Casey, Casey before. Maybe she knows that. Maybe she gets memos, because she actually is with management to a certain degree. Either way, why she does this, I mean, there's a lot to possibly ponder there. It's notable that Irv is the one that straight up it says, just go down to the end of the storage wing, you'll find them there. So maybe it's just a tit-for-tat kind of thing of, okay, you just, you know, helped me with that. I'll throw you a bone, too. Or maybe there's more going on that we can ponder later.
0: We see Irvin walking to the conference room. He opens the door a bird. Irvin! Irvin asks him what he's doing there. You know, I was turned around, actually. I was looking for you. I I hadn't heard from you. Dylan comes up from behind closed the door, uses his badge lanyard to lock Bert in. <laughs> Dylan then claims that Bert was coming at him and references the painting. You want to get disemboweled against it. So again, with the disemboweling, he's got that in his head. Uh, that,
1: that is, that's what he always is going to return to. And again, this is, Dylan's a great character. He's a loyal member of the department. This is the element of when you also don't want him necessarily being your security director because he might just straight kill people and claim self-defense.
0: So maybe we could draw a parallel to like a certain White House dog the The yeah, White House he, dog that like seemingly co- seemingly a good boy but occasionally bites people.
1: Occasionally bites secret service officials on ten different occasions. Yes, sure that is Dylan.
0: Puts them in the hospital. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, little 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 too aggressive sometimes. Dylan. <laughs> Dylan then shouts at him, "Hey, where's your friends? As in the six fucking people you've been hiding from us." Bert backs up. Oh, my word. I need a manager. Bert says, uh, No, don't go. Uh, Bert says, What is wrong? Uh, what's wrong with you? Open the door. Uh, cuts a monitor showing the whole situation, right? Irvin is waving that they need a manager. Bert is yelling for Irvin. So it seems from the perspective, we didn't necessarily get the full shot, that someone is watching all of Cobble. this shit go down. And you think it's Kobe.
1: 100% I think it's cool particularly given the end of the episode. <laughs>
0: okay. Uh, cuts a heli walking around Mark following her heli, heli, heli. He's calling after her, but he, she keeps walking and, and she she's just going off. randomly. Uh, he says, where the fuck are we? Mark catches up with her and heli turns around and says, I told her I wanted out. And she told me I wasn't a person. My own self told me that. So she's coming to grips with the fact that what she's battling is herself. That is such a mind. Fuck Mark says, yeah, and that's horrible, but don't focus on her. What do you want? in here and i actually felt like that was a pretty good line from mark mark it doesn't mark, as much as mark cares and he like i mentioned i think his primary motivation is to help others i wouldn't say he's been really deft in his conversations with heli so far he's been a little clumsy at times but i felt like this line landed
1: i thought this is a pretty good line i think the, I think the line landed. i think he just hasn't had the tools that he needed the handbook is useless for anything resembling the oh, situation. Yeah, absolutely. And neither he nor anyone else he's interacted with in what is effectively his whole realm of people have ever interacted with someone who's going through what hell he is. Mark's doing great, given that he has zero training to bring to bear for the situation.
0: What I want is for her to wake up as the life drains out of her, and for her to know it was me who did. Tell Cersei I want her to know it was me. This is very much a Queen of Thorns kind of moment. Mark doesn't respond to that because I hear uh crying which i'll tell you on first watch i mistook for a baby i thought it was a baby crying
1: i thought it was too and then i rapidly started going through my roll of animals after it started sounding a little bit non-human
0: cuts dylan and Bert. burt is saying if I, I could just explain uh save it for marauder uh, irving comes back and says he checked the whole storage wing no sign of mark or heli Dylan says that O.D. probably killed him already. Bert gives a... You notice Burt gives a this fucking guy look to Irving when he says that? He's like, O.D. Oh, probably killed him already. And, and Bert's like, this fucking asshole. Trying to connect with Irving to get help to get the fuck out of the conference room. Irving asked Bert if he knows where their department chief and new hire is. Bert says, I I don't know. I I don't know. I just came (laughs) to see you and the rest of the department. Uh, Bert starts to address uh, the additional people. Your
1: your A's are so perfect when you go walking. You're like Overall, doing all right. But when you hit a long A, it is just the exact perfect tone. (laughs) (laughs) And the rest of your department.
0: Uh, (laughs) I know I said it was just Felicia and me. Uh, If you came here to see me, why are you in the conference room? Why not come back to the office? Bert says he didn't know why Irvin had been back, hadn't been back, and he didn't want to scare him. Notice that Bert is almost
1: close to tears at this point. He's getting yes, worked he up. He's getting really worked up. Irvin says you didn't scare me. He was pacing in this office for who knows how long, just trying to work up his nerve to go talk to Irvin. He He's, cares about this. This matters to him. He doesn't want to mess up, and he feels like he is.
0: Yeah. how could yeah how could you not right I mean' it's, Irving has come at him so hot here thank you Dylan um Irving says you didn't scare me Bert throws in or embarrass you right, right. Well, he slips that in real quickly
1: he, he's trying to protect him he's trying to and he's trying to be as accommodating as possible he feels like he messed up he's just trying to I, I'm not trying to put any label on you I just want you to you know I just want to talk little does he understand that Irving was in no way put off by anything that happened and his here meeting him on equal terms look i was i was working out a joke you notice when he says joke he does
0: real hard uh, uh walking yes that, he that does. particular word he will vault on a joke um to say as i got in and dylan asked him to prove it to prove it say the joke irving tries to cup his hand so that only irving can can hear him which is sort of yeah. insane at this point it's he says, uh, why why did you lie about the number of people in your department? Bert says, Because we don't trust you guys. You, the king of fucks, don't trust us. Dylan is fucking hot. The king of fucks. Yeah. He calls him the king of fucks. Bert says, I do, but uh, people just all, all about MDR, stupid old stories, jokes even. Irving asked him what he means. Bert says, it's literally silly. They all say you have pouches. <laughs> And this is where I was like, I had to pause it the first time. I was like, yeah. what did he say? Pouches?
1: Can I say it, Mr. Lee? Can I repeat the, can I repeat the theory? Uh, like, they say you all have pouches. <laughs> pouches like to carry young. According to some, you each have a larval offspring that will <laughs> jump out and attack if we get too close. And he adds here in a minute, the theory is also that the larva eventually eats and replaces you. <laughs> Again you give people limited information they will make a religion and this is what the departments have done
0: I mean it's a joke of course but I I, I don't know the sentiment someone holds people people are weird he, so he's in in this he's trying to like soften contextualize equivocate but at the same time he is communicating that apparently onD thinks the people from MDR
1: are marsupials
0: are marsupials that have larvae living in them that will jump out and kill them
1: uh, uh, if, assuming that they are not you know in some kind of hibernation mode before they then eat and replace the the uh the micro data defi- micro data refinement department member
0: and i'll tell you this is my favorite scene of the episode what we're getting to right now kian dylan pulls irving aside and says irv are you sweet on this guy <laughs> that's my favorite shit i loved it
1: <laughs> i really like this scene it was the best
0: It was so good. When he because D- Dylan is watching all this and he starts to put it together when they tell when he tells the joke right because Bert says going back just a second Bert says Bert,
1: Bert's laughing
0: that in this theory the lava naturally Sorry, Irving it, which Irving would solve the mystery of your youthful energy and they both laugh and just yeah. laugh and and that's when Dylan pulls him aside. Irv, are you sweet on this guy? Is,
1: is, is this your line of the episode right there? I that's it. That's my favorite one i, 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 it, God, I, I it.
0: because again, I mean one of the things I really appreciate imagining the listeners are picking up on this now is that I love the camaraderie between the people who are dealing with this situation. I am a sucker for that like they are they are clearly victims of what's happening, but they are they are helping and working with each other, and just, i just—I love that.
1: And even just beyond the line where it goes from, of where Irving's like, "Well, oh, you disapprove." I'm like, I do, I do disapprove. And Irving thinks, "Well, you know, this—you know—it's not approved in the handbook." And Dylan, rat man fuck, fuck the handbook. Rat fuck the handbook. This guy's—this uh, guy is O and goddamn D, who are displicious snakes to the core. Tool one, it's not safe. I love that it's not like I don't. Appro- it's not like you know he doesn't approve because it's two guys, or he doesn't approve because it's not following the rules. He doesn't approve because he cares about Irv and doesn't want Irv to get hurt by someone that he very much legitimately believes is ready to go just full on, you know, ravenous on Irving if, if, if he turns his back on him.
0: So I've talked a little bit about how Dylan's word choice might give us a hint as to his background. His Audi's background, because I, you know, I think we've proved that the the memory split happens relatively soon before they go into because they know things, they know yes. language, they know things about society and 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 interpersonal skills and stuff that you learn when you grow up, right? Yeah. This is this this language he uses, rat fuck the handbook. This guy's O oh, and goddamn d who are duplicit duplicitous stakes to a one, like. That's very interesting language that you hear it, nobody else using in this entire fucking setup.
1: Well, it's very succession language is that what I thought when I heard it. I haven't heard rat fuck out of, you know, last time I heard that was in the succession episode referring to a guy whose job was rat fucking. It was his profession was to engage in rat fucking, uh, which of those who aren't familiar, uh, you, got, got,
0: you got there. You got there. You got my theory.
1: You, what, what's the theory?
0: I think he's from New York. I think the yeah. guy. I think the guy grew up in New York. I think that's it, what we're getting hints of.
1: Uh, very much possible. Yes, the fact that he even just uses kosher in casual conversation too could suggest a certain thing as well.
0: Yeah, there, you can go. You can pull out a lot of little examples, but like "duplicitous snakes to a to a one." Mm-hmm. That's a very like brooklyn way of like you know that's a very specific type of language that he's using i think we're getting a little hint there so cut to mark and heli walking toward the baby noise the lights are flickering in the hallway they turn the corner and we see it's a fucking goat and i felt the fool because i thought this is a baby crying
1: once we heard it over and over again i I went to oh that's i think that's a sheep i was close i was close you're You're closer
0: than a human baby you're closer than i was
1: but I uh, Wasn't expecting the context in which we would get lots of baby little you know goats wandering about.
0: And this almost started to feel a little sci-fi, this scene, right? Um, because it's a guy in a room, empty room, with just a bunch of baby goats. He's got a suit on and he is feeding the goats and he starts yelling at Heli and Mark, they're not ready, you can't take them, they're not ready. Tells him to get the hell out of there and they leave.
1: Did you ever see Twin Peaks back in the day?
0: No, but I've heard
1: it's great. At some point, we will watch that just because I'm desperate to hear you unpack it. But this was very Twin Peaks. This was very much kind of dream environment in terms of what this was.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it felt surreal almost, right? But I think the mm. implication is that this was really happening to them. So yes, it cu- is. We cut back. The grim barbarity of optics and design. Bert says, that's what it said. Bert is now walking with Irvin and Dylan is behind. So they let Bert out. But it does seem that Dylan is still there as the bodyguard.
1: Again... There is no one in the department right now. None. There no. is no one working right Nobody's now. Nobody's
0: doing the important numbers, the very important numbers. Indeed. Our work is mysterious, but very important. Bert is asking what kind of barbarities they were enacting. Uh, it doesn't matter. I, I don't think it was real, Irving says. Irving says, I'll have to confer with my lava, of course.
1: That, that is so interesting to have Irving say, I don't think it was real.
0: I know, of all the people. For Irving to say... To so basically pull a Spencer and be like, <laughs> I don't fucking believe the system. I don't believe this. I don't believe what you're showing me. Fuck it. You're not. You're not going to convince me. Like it's strange that he would get. Like we haven't even heard Dylan say that. This- we haven't heard Dylan question that the, the authenticity of the painting yet. But we hear Irvin say it first.
1: I almost feel like this is the example you see sometimes of where if someone's a truly passionate follower of something, they're almost going to be the first person that most hyper-responds negatively to something that doesn't fit into it. It's like me being a Star Wars fan and getting pissed off at things that Disney changes kind of thing of where it takes a person that's really passionate about it to almost turn on you faster with respect to it when you're not fitting what they view as appropriate.
0: Yeah, and then Irving drops the the banger of a joke. I have to confer with my lava, of course. Burton Irving guffaw at that. So um, they're they're moved on from this, and
1: they're they're but, all, they're making fun of the, the the weird you know things about each other's department that
0: people say the lore.
1: They are Dylan's following behind them, looking at the both of them, going, "What the fuck are you guys doing right now?" Yeah, he's really over it. Um, he says, "I'm sorry you had to do this. It's all right.
0: You know what relationship?" And this is Irving. It's all right. You know that relationships beyond the platonic are frowned upon anyway. And then, full of hope, eyes full of hope, Bert says, is that what we are?
1: Mm-hmm. Dylan
0: clears his throat. So we don't get the resolution of that. He says, well, it's serving well, Bert G. this time, I formally remove you from MDR supervision. As Keir said, be ever merry.
1: Does he unshackle his hands? Yes, he does. <laughs> they had, rat- they had, a had a prisoner. They his hands. Dylan insisted.
0: So think about, think about the, the background knowledge. They know, like, to bind hands. Like, that's how you walk a prisoner around. Like, there's tons of background knowledge these people come to when they wake up as innies.
1: I would love to see the spreadsheet about what's removed and what isn't when that thing goes on in their brains.
0: Uh, Bert asks if he'd like to come in. Tells him there's something in the storeroom he'd like to show him. Dylan isn't psyched about this at all, but it seems that Irvin is willing to go. Cut to them looking at a painting. It looks like a guy stirring some large cauldron with a woman looking on. And they call it the courtship of Kier and Emojin.
1: Apparently, Kier was the stewman in an ether factory, which I've not heard of that profession before, but it sounds remarkably unpleasant. But his wife is a stewman in an
0: ether factory. It sounds fake. Um, Damn. And then you hear, you know, as Dylan is walking around O&D, he's a damn dumb being here. She was a swab girl. The handbook just says they were bonded by the spirit of industry. I know, but if this interpretation is correct, Irvin finishes. They met as colleagues, took heart to each other as colleagues. And that's look the point that Bert wants to drive home. That's what he took from the painting. Is that look at that? They fell in love working together. That can't be so bad, though. So I, I, Irving starts to say it. He says, makes you wonder how could something be wrong if Kier and he puts his hand on Bert's.
1: Again, Bert. First edition kind of guy. Used to returning to the original story and the words of Kier and finding inspiration in it. And here, he is remarkably persuaded what was previously a dyed-in-the-wool handbook follower that perhaps there's another way to look at the message.
0: Yeah. Um, but... While this is going on, Dylan does find a painting that looks darn similar to the grim barbarity of optics and design. Pretty
1: close. Pretty I thought.
0: Close. It, I sure thought it was. And he comes out screaming, get away from him, you lying fuck. Dylan gives him the painting and Irv, student of art, immediately points out that it's not the same. The Raiders are wearing MDR badges, not O&D badges. And so at this point, the jig is fucking up. The it jig is, is fucking up, my friend.
1: As confirmed by expert Bert, who confirms that this one, while it's never been in hallway rotation, he recognizes it. It's called the Macro Data Refinement Calamity. Look at that.
0: And then Bert says this was never gone into the, the hallway rotation. You know, he says it's never even gone out. Only he yeah. has seen it. So only the you know, the, the Grim Barbarity of Optics and design. Only MDR ever saw that. It was just a one-time shot to show the employees. And cut back to O and D. Only they ever saw this painting, the macro data refinement calamity.
1: Man, what does the guy with the goats have? Whose department is he being directed to hate and fear?
0: If that doesn't scream puppet master strings, we're all the fucking matrix. It feels like the jig is up a
1: little bit, right? Hundred percent. They are now. Re- they're now seeing the strings very much so. They're now seeing how they're being wielded against each other. And they don't appreciate it. Hell, straight up, Dylan's willing to meet with meet with, OD, uh, with, o, with, o, with uh, o and D after this It's a result. Shared of enemy information, they say. Shared yeah.
0: enemy, they feel like they're being puppeted. Um, so they all look around, all three thinking. Cut back to the painting; it bleeds into Helly and Mark walking around. I mean, what if the goats are, are number are the numbers? Like it would. Like, we're deciding which goats live and die and which <laughs> ones. Like, so she's morbid. Here's something we learn about Heli. She likes animals because she gets very upset at the notion that they they are deciding which goats live or don't live, right? She actually gets upset about this. Mark says he doubts that's it. Mark says, I know you don't want to be here, kind of stops her, but I'm glad you are. And I'm sorry that this is the best I can do right now. She says, if you give me the map, I'll clean it up. You're drawing a shit. So starting to break through just a little bit.
1: 100%.
0: Are you shipping these two?
1: Yes, I was shipping them even earlier, but now I've got, now they're actually returning to a happy shipping state.
0: I'm shipping Miss Casey and Dylan. Cut to Miss Daisy who walks out. Miss Casey walks out. Mark says uh, they were coming back from a mental health walk. You're both unhurt? I'm glad. I was scared. I forgive you. Okay, uh, then.
1: Mar- Mark specifically apologizes to her when she says she's scared. She seems like she really does appreciate his apology. <laughs> As much as she's able to convey human emotions.
0: And the three of them start to walk back to uh, MDR. Then we see they are being watched on a monitor, and Spencer is right. Ding, ding, ding. gets Miss Cobo watching. Knock at the door, and she turns it off. Mr. Grainer. He asks her, she knows what MDR is up to right now. I thought that's what we paid you for. Grainer says, you're not stopping it? She says, the surest way to tame a prisoner is to let him believe he's free. Old quote. Oh,
1: fuck. Old old and oft-repeated powerful quote.
0: (laughs) Mr. Grainer, over it, said... There's a cure quote for everything, so he assumes it's a cure quote. Yeah. How many more departments are you going to let them find? Coble says she's going to have a word with Mark. Grainer, I would be careful. Upstairs wouldn't look too kindly on this. So he's he likes her. We've established this. If if I don't think Harmony would have to drink alone if she didn't want to. I think he's got she's got somebody who would go to go out with her, right? But he is even breaking through and saying, "Hey, look, I think you might be stretching this a little too far." Like he's warning her
1: i would agree i think that she is trying to play way too many games at the same time and it's going to blow up in her face
0: Goble says yes daddy yeah you know i feel like it, she's,
1: he, he he would prefer if she'd say that in a different context
0: pulling him along a little bit with that phrasing um you can talk to me when you figure out who hacked kilmer's chips so cut to bert who walks irving and dylan into the back room excuse me everyone i want to introduce you all to irving and dylan from mdr and they're, they're friends and irving- awkward Awkward as fuck. They all look around. Bert looks around end of episode.
1: It's awkward as fuck, but it's very notable to me that Dylan is in that room right now and he looks like he wants to be there.
0: So Dylan has, I think, I think Dylan has been turned and he is now thinking, I've been fed bullshit. I'm guessing I've been Mm -hmm. fed bullshit that optics and design are the enemy and he's willing to meet with them on their terms at their place. I think that's, I think that's a lot of growth here.
1: I, I fear, I fear for management if that man gets a certain uh, a certain notion in his brain and has finger traps in his hands ready to use his weapons. Bad things might happen.
0: He's got a whole bucket of full of them, doesn't he? Um, you know what we still haven't seen yet in the show? What waffle party? Good lord! Can they get oh. back to the numbers so I can see the waffle party?
1: Uh, waffle party's a lie, man. It's a lie. There, there, there are no
0: actual waffle oh, parties. I want to see it so bad. All right, there so you go. End of the recap. Spencer, you want to jump into the best line of the episode?
1: I've got a few. Uh, as soon as I can pull them up, one second. Eh, oh, yeah. All right, here. Uh, one from an early one. Helly's Audi has no intention of resigning. Oof. Uh, one, from, one, one from Rickon that I liked. It's just fat cats making fat kittens. Um, a crazy one from Rickon. Mark says secret quickly. The fetus is drawn to clear air. Purging secrets can create a soul void that speeds the labor. <laughs> Mark responding perfectly reasonably. Okay, and we want that? Oh, we do. Uh, Mark, would you help me hang the kelp? Hang the kelp? Why? <sighs> do you really want me to explain it? <laughs> <A> brief <laughs> moment of humanity from Rickham. Yep. Dropping the uh, guard. Important one from Mark. Um, I kind of think the lumen might be up to something. Man, I wish that conversation had gone on longer. Damn. Put it direction. on a
0: t-shirt. I want a t-shirt. This is, I kind of think lumen might be up to something.
1: Mental note. Uh... What I want is, for, uh, this is from Heli, what I want is for her to wake up while the life drains out of her and to know it was me who did it. Uh, the whole, we've already repeated it, but the whole um, Bert explaining the story that OD d has about MDR on the subject of pouches is just utterly hilarious. Uh, it, it, it's a paraphrasing or a similar version of a famous quote, but the surest way to tame a prisoner is to let him believe he's free is, well, it's oft-repeated and has a certain element of truth to it. Uh, one from Bert. Excuse me, everyone, but I want to introduce you to Irving and, During. Uh, Ir- Irving and Dylan. They're from MDR and they're friends. But, sir, because I love you, I give you free reign to actually say what was the best line of the episode.
0: Best line of the episode, Severance Season 1, Episode 5 is... Irv, are you sweet on this guy?
1: <laughs> I would never deny you that.
0: The best one. I love it. I love the camaraderie. I love that, that Dylan. I, I I don't I don't think anybody's going to call Dylan a perfect person. Uh, he's got his oh, faults and things he struggles with, but he is fucking loyal. He is a guy ready to go to war with the guys next to him. Uh, fucking love Dylan. And I uh, had a strong episode, which leads us right into the next discussion of Employee of the Week. Spencer, who are you thinking for Employee of the Week?
1: We usually like to pick one person that's in management and one person that isn't.
0: but. Ooh. I like that. Separate management from the workers, Spencer. That's really great.
1: I think that's what Lumen runs on, personally. If I was doing within the workers, I think Dylan or Mark are competing for it in different ways. Mark, through his dedication, helping out Heli, who's very much in need for it all episode and very much trying to meet with her and what she actually can best be, can best serve her in this particular horrendous moment that she's in. Dylan is just kind of just... Is, Tried and true as ever that he's just maintaining a consistent amount of loyalty and dedication to his friends and department and everything that he does even if it can be occasionally disruptive or disruptive in a given moment destructive or disruptive in a given moment outside of them though I'm actually going to go with a bit of an odd one and say Miss um, Casey because she cle- she doesn't do a great job but she's clearly trying and clearly cares to the point that she's emotionally distressed when her wards have gone missing and actively tries to pursue them. That's a person who, as nothing else, is dedicated to what degree they have the human capacity to resist being dedicated. I don't know yet, but if I'm picking somebody that is outside, you know, the regular employees on the floor, at least within their strict definition, I think she's the best I can offer because I'm not getting much from anybody else this episode.
0: Man, Miss Casey. I mean, I expected Miss Casey theories for sure, but I didn't expect her name to come up during Employee League. Uh, if you want to break it up in workers and management, which as somebody in management, I don't appreciate one bit, not even a little bit. Um, <laughs> I would, uh, I'm would. i going to give this to Dylan this week. Uh, for basically the same logic you used last week. He's won me over with this dogged, like, protective nature of mm-hmm. Irving and Mark and like, He's looking out for Mark. He's telling him, look, there's weird vibes going on. When Mark takes Helly out, he's like giving the misdirection to Miss Casey. Like, they're good. They'll be back. You know, like he's, he's, you know, glad handing her a little bit the best he can. Shoots his shot with Miss Casey a couple times. Got to respect that. And then he all, basically the whole back half of the episode, he's Irv's body man. He's just doing nothing but trying to protect Burv. And then he is willing to intake new information and change his behavior, which is like, unheard of in
1: 2023 no one does D- this anymore difficult for humans in general much yeah, less this people is not many. a thing
0: that happens anymore in our in any, anywhere in the world where people have an opinion and then they hear a fact and then they change that opinion I know it's shocking and so mm-hmm. then he goes in and actually is willing to to meet with onD which fucking can you imagine at the middle of episode four if they'd have been like hey no. go in the back to the secret room that ond has with the staff they didn't tell you about and go meet with them he would have been bringing 17 staplers and oh, stapler yeah. guns He's, in there ready to go
1: he would he would have like a, a classic uh, you know a bandito kind of effect we have bandoliers with nothing but staplers crossed through them
0: absolutely fantastic so he gets my my vote now if i'm going management I I find it hard to pick anyone other than the guy who literally saved a life. So I'm going to go with Mr. Grainer who who saved (laughs) Ellie's life. Like literally
1: he was a bit Uh, bit slow getting there, but he eventually did.
0: Yeah. I got to give it to the guy who's, who who saved somebody's life. And then he, you know, he is, he's trying to work it a little bit with harmony, which again, respect that that always moves people up my rankings. Um, But he is also looking out for her. Like he's like, Hey, you know, it's that thing where like, and I'm sure you probably had this right. Like we have a coworker who is has some friction with the organization they work in, and they start and and then they start to kind of get on that line. And you're like, hey, man, you might want to watch that. Like mm-hmm. that's a very common thing in the workplace to like, hey, you know, you're running up against it. Here. Much and that's so. what he's doing with Miss Kobel. So basically, picking these two people for the same reason is that they're looking out for other people.
1: I think it's a good choice. Okay. Spencer's got questions. My work here is done. I'll offer a few. Uh, First point, are there no lawyers or or anything resembling workers' comp in this world? Or just Lumen has changed the laws not to allow those things to affect them? (laughs) Because an employee nearly died due to the actions of herself, another employee? How do we define this? I don't know. She did so on company grounds. They she put her through. Days to heal.
0: They put her through an irresponsible procedure and did not have proper guardrails around the situation, and therefore put her life at risk. And I think she needs a big payout. I'm with you.
1: Uh, and how many coupons to Pips would that be?
0: At least four free burgers. Four and no less than four.
1: A double burgers, like you know, like the specialty burgers. Spencer not just really gets double burgers.
0: That's something you learn about him.
1: Absolutely. I'm not gonna. If I'm getting a burger, I'm gonna. I'm gonna enjoy it for the day. Double burger. Uh Helly's Audi has no intention of resigning. I feel like we already discussed this one in detail, but there is just what? so much going on there that I want more information about. I think either of our theories have some potential here, but it is just such foreign behavior for me that it requires further development for me to be able to process it. Uh, I repeat, and as I've often known before, why on earth is Devon with Rick and- <laughs> I don't know. He had a few vaguely relatable moments this episode, but they were piled with other moments which were just not only just weird, they also saw a lot, several things here that were just very self centered in terms of like, you know, making, doing so many things to focus things back on himself in a very performative fashion while his wife is in frickin' labor. It wasn't a good read on the guy. Uh, I'm increasingly starting to think that leaving the book was intentional but under Miss uh, uh, Rickon's book, but under Mrs. Coble's orders. She's doing so many things that are off script that seem to be trying to test things and work new things out. And she's seemingly watching the cameras at all times. I refuse to believe she's not aware of the book and is authorized it specifically to be there. Probably told Milchick to leave it behind and not recover it. Uh, that's a,
0: that's a, I think that's a question.
1: I think it's a, mixed it makes a question of theory and I think a further example of that this episode is what she's doing with Miss Casey. Milchick's straight-up confusion doesn't like what's occurring there, but she's pushing things to see what happens as a result. I think the book could be in the same category. The oil returns, uh, associated, again, only with her. No one else has seen the oil. The oil's been associated with no one else other than herb, which makes it all the more difficult for me to understand what the hell it represents or what it means. I still don't know. I don't even have really a theory to offer with respect to that. But the fact that it's confined to Irv and seems to be existing to flood and consume and overwhelm everyone else around him suggests it's in some ways connected with the severance process. But why is it only Irv that's seeing it? That I don't know. Maybe, it's, maybe if we're willing to tie in like the tree or whatever else, it's something connecting to Irv's outside that's blending into this world, some trauma that's otherwise threading in through moments of vulnerability. Possibly. Couldn't tell you for sure. Uh, Miss Casey is not normal. We talked about that. Uh, I'm not sure exactly to what degree and why she isn't normal. Could, there could be any number of hum- perfectly human explanations for it. There could be any number of perfectly non-our-real-world explanations for it. Time will tell. Uh, I have a somewhat still hard time believing there are only seven people in that OD massive aircraft hangar, but it seems like the severance floor is just running on way too much space for way too few people. So, again trial group for occupying what will be a substantially larger space once it goes actually out of beta
0: it felt like a reveal right that there was only seven people in there like i don't feel like we got that last episode
1: but again our main characters still view seven seven is massive seven can just overwhelm all of us because they don't have any other reason to think otherwise this space is weird uh, the whole, we talked about you, we, you, we talked about, and I really like how you explained it for how Dylan calling out that Mark, Mark may have been drunk or that Mark's Audi may have been drunk now that affects yeah. things in the inner world that's just great um, and I'm really left to ponder that you know now that we've seen so many random departments that seem to exist for no other purpose what degree my theory still holds water that these things are just little testing grounds for almost purposefully random things as part of like you know testing out this technology to see whether it could have effects in all kinds of different industries. But I now think where this episode ends that their grand experiment's forever destabilized, unless they have some way of deleting memories or clearing out a crop. Uh,
0: Some way of deleting memories?
1: Well, we know that they can. We don't know that they would work in a way that they could just simply delete any's memories. Um, But the revolution has kind of begun. What's weird is that Immediate management is aware of it and seems to be actually supporting it. So I don't know to what degree anything is going to be done to snuff this out in the cradle the way it would have to do for, you know, otherwise this thing can just grow forever. This seems like a bit of the beginning of the end, or at least a potential for some element of violent coup in a way that they've previously been assigning to individual departments, but now it may be an entire floor that rises up, all like 50 of them.
0: There you go. Is there, are you willing to make that? Is that a prediction here?
1: I. You think I'm, the
0: revolution has started? They can't. They can't put the toothpaste back in the tube.
1: Yeah, I'm willing to protect that. I think this moment at the end of the episode is a rallying cry. It is, you know, the Stonewall riot kind of moment that I don't think can just be walked back.
0: Okay. All right. Well, a lot of questions there. Uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see. See what you think about next episode. I'm excited to review it with you. We will be back next week to review episode six of Severance. Spencer, any concluding thoughts here as we wrap up?
1: The show has gotten more and more active week by week and just in terms of... Even as they get shorter, more things seem to be happening. And each one is just adding certain elements to the mythos that just keep me coming back more and more each week. I don't have an honest certain theory where this show is going to go, but... It has accomplished a rare thing in having me gripped week to week to want to find out more.
0: That is exciting uh, because I pushed this on you hard. Uh,
1: you did for I was, a while. Yeah,
0: I talked about it on multiple podcast feeds and was upset when it didn't win more awards than it won, and it got us to do this here in a little bit of a quiet time for the Manga Talks podcast. You know, I'm glad you're joining it. And I'm excited to talk to you next week. We will come back next week. We'll be back here about seven days next Tuesday night to review episode six of severance season one thanks everybody for listening and we'll see you then